The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently. Too young to settle down. Too old to be in bars. It's hard to take it easy. It's easy to be hard. Here I am again. Stuck in the middle. Hello, Here humans. Welcome again. to the M Word, the Manx Sports Stuck Podcast, brought to you by Martin. That's me. And Matt. That's him. Welcome back, Matthew. I have a question for you, just to dive oh, straight right, in. Okay. And in fact, our, our guest is here. I'll f- more formally introduce in a moment Christian Farley. Welcome, Christian. I've just got a general question, a bit left field. Uh, but since we had, to, I need to do a survey and I need pigeons more than two pandas. people. No, no pigeons or pandas. It's about handbrakes. So handbrake on your car when you come to a junction and pull the handbrake on. Do you press the button in before you pull the stick up, or don't you? Always pull it in. Would you put, push the button in before you pull the handbrake on, um, Matthew? I presume the right answer is yeah. Push the button in before pulling it up, but I presume it's more for simultaneous. Yeah, no, well, only because I was at a junction a couple of days ago and the car next to me pulled up and I heard this, you know, as you pull it up, if you don't use the button, excuse me, use the button. And certainly when I was learned to drive a thousand years ago, it was press the button in because that's just grinding metal on metal. But I hear so many people doing it and then I just wondered, I'm sure that's how I was trained, was press the button in, pull, release. No, I'm fairly certain. Well, is it? I've not done any grinding gears, right. so I presume I'm. Well, grinding the handbrake, right, sorry. Right yeah, way, yeah, yeah. Well, sorry, as in, yeah, I yeah. presume it's just push, yeah. Right. Something you do instinctively, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. So maybe everyone can have a think about how they do it. But press, my <laughs> thing is press the button in, don't grind them out. I'm actually yeah. quite a calm driver. Yeah, oh, right. if, you, if you are driving while listening to it right now, don't test that. Yeah, don't yeah. test that now, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the other thing I want to just sort of how, how touch on is how crap the weather is. But this has gone out in a few weeks and it might have improved sure by then. Yeah, right. some wind going around. Uh, I've had a bit of a manic week stuck in airports, but never mind. Uh, so introduce, introduction music, slightly different this time. We had two two slices of, uh, I suppose, audio in there of, of kinds. Ring any bells? First one, yes, but I still haven't watched the films, so right. I'll, you can shout at me for that. Second one, nope. So the first one, yeah, like you say, it's a clip from Rocky or Creed, depending on which, which I suppose part of the franchise it was when it came out, and just talks about getting knocked down and getting back up again, which, as you'll listen to this podcast, will become very relevant uh, for our guest. Uh, the second one was uh, a song by a guy called Mac, Mac, I can't speak, Mike Posner, and it's uh, our guest actually asked us to include it in there, uh, so maybe. Chris, you can just give us a little bit of why, I guess, that, that means yeah, something to you. there's a couple of lyrics, especially in that song, where I've, um, me and a close friend have been listening to that album quite a lot lately. I think um, kind of childhood dreams, kind of pipe dreams, as you call right. them, kind mm-hmm. of, yeah, spent so many years kind of convincing myself that I wanted to be famous and make it in sport and kind of clung on to them dreams and even when I moved out of cycling I probably kind of at some point when I came back to sport kind of went clung on to it but you know it's exhausting and I think there is an element of yeah Yeah. kind of tiring trying to cling on to this kind of being successful and then 
too vain to be unknown kind of thing. And, and he's and the, the singer himself, he's quite an interesting story. Certainly, people uh, you know Google him, YouTube him. He's a he's a rapper in Detroit. Is that right? Yeah, that is. Yeah. Yeah, and then, um, uh, yeah, he was a millionaire. Right. And then um, he, the money kind of helped him change the things he was doing, but it wasn't bringing him any fulfillment. So he um, packed it all in gave everything away and then went to live in like a camper for a year right and um he actually was more happy yeah so right simplicity kind of going back to basics and um yeah it's exhausting trying to live up to this kind of image so he's uh i know the one i listened to the podcast with him he was on rich roll who's got a podcast he's a an ultra athlete which is obviously very relevant to the discussions we'll get on today and uh, so yeah so if you if you again search on the podcasts for yeah, Rich Roll, and you'll find Mike on there, and I'm sure he's on a lot, lots of other stuff as well. Before we dig into yourself, I just want to say a shout out to our sponsors, Billboards uh, Advertising. They do digital advertising. You'll see them on the uh, C terminal. Is the word I was looking for, or two words I was looking for? Down in town, uh, it's the future of advertising. So get in touch with the guys who want to get your name and your brand out there. That's Billboards.im. So. So we've got actually two guests in the room. The other guest is my dog, so you hear her moaning and groaning. Uh, just ignore her or barking. There she goes again. And also, joined, obviously, we just chatted with uh, Christian Varley. So thanks for coming in, Chris. It's much appreciated. No problem. Glad to join you. Uh, lots of lots to delve I say in, in at the start of every episode, lots to delve into, but we, we certainly have uh, with Chris, who I've known for a number of years through cycling as well. So obviously, we've got to start off to know whether you're uh, a come over Manx Manx or Manx is the Hills. I am Manx as a Hills, yeah. Generations. Yeah, right. Not too strong a Manx accent, though. No, no. Even compared to me. Fairly neutral, no. I'd, yeah, maybe maybe just Manx. Yeah, go on. And where were you brought up on the island? Uh, the Big Smoke, Douglas. Okay. Yeah. Sco- school and all through school, Douglas. yeah. Right. Yeah, the Bronx. So what was yeah. the primary school there? Um, so I was at a school called Fairfield. And then is that still on, around, is it? HBN now, it's, yeah, called Henry right. Bloom Noble. No, right. So a lot's changed. Um, yeah, Balaclone, Fairfield, then um, Balakameen. And your first interaction was that in sport, that is, is that through that? And obviously your dad's a keen sportsman, or was it more um, from your dad's side rather than four school? Four years old, I started um, racing BMX. Right. So, yeah, a long time ago now, over 30 years. And was that um, something you asked to do at that age, or was that something... Do you know what? That So that was before Dot Tilbury's league. That was... I think that might have been even before my dad cycled. I'm right. not. I, I can't really remember. I know I started riding a bike when I was I think like two. Um, just yeah, like to be on the move. We used to be very active when I was young. The the initial it, well the, the BMX series was quite popular at the time. Um, up in so Ramsey, up, there. yeah, Mirror yeah. Park. So went up there on um, yeah every weekend, and I think I, I think I was about six when I started competing off Ireland. Right. So all happened oh, right. pretty, okay. pretty young. Going away with the BMX club. Yeah. Right. Um, and then the, the BMX went into mountain biking and um, mountain biking went into road cycling more from... Droppies weren't kind of that, that popular at that, you know, such a young age. The droppies. I think I was, yeah, maybe 11 or 12, got my first road bike. Right. Do you think back to like the BMX and do you think you were thrown on a bike because you maybe had too much energy and they were like burning it off or was it just something... First BMX at Christmas and yeah, I think Dad said um, you enjoyed it, so he took you up to the BMX club. Like I did a lot of other sports, you know. I was always playing football, running. Right. Um, the bike, yeah, it's, it's strange at, at that age, especially four. You know, no fear at all. You right. Know. 
I don't I don't think uh, you know I just and and obviously as we get older that kind of you start thinking yeah, yeah. a lot more but um, I, I'd love to have video footage actually to look back you know I was quite a de- determined little character and I'm quite jealous about society now in regard to there's a lot of obviously criticism of social media and the effects it has on people but now the ability to photograph and record everything is instant obviously instant and will be there for time I'm similar where my, my childhood and I've got very little pictures etc where at least out of social media whatever it doesn't or good or bad people perceive it does have the, those memories and those photographs that, that will be there for you know forever it's you haven't probably, got those disposable wind up cameras anymore that probably the first time you've you've uh, helped me put a positive spin on oh, social, social media, media yeah. So, yeah thank you for that yeah, yeah. Uh, well I suppose it's not in, in fairness probably not even social media it's just your phone having your bad, phone yeah I think yeah. yeah good way of looking at it yeah like yeah I haven't really got um, I think my mum used to keep a bit of a scrapbook but um, yeah hidden in the attic quite, somewhere now yeah I think uh, I did have a little flick through a few years ago, but um, yeah, BMX, that's where it started. And, um, and were you yeah. any good when you were racing away? Uh, yeah, I wasn't too bad. I mean, um, I just like being on the move, really, right. uh, which we can go into after that. I think um, I wasn't very good at sitting still, um, even as an adult, <laughs> <laughs> never mind as a five-year-old. But um, yeah, I was just always out, you know, playing. And yeah. I, and then obviously I, I was out on my bike quite a lot. Yeah, and, um, yeah so, so I lived. Lived by Balakami in school at that age, so yeah, always playing football and yeah. So at uh, at twelve or thirteen, I guess bike starts to get a little bit serious for you. Biking gets a bit more serious. The bike, yeah, I think. Um, so can you start, start racing a bit more? Can't a bit you? More, yeah. yeah. Um, I, you know, people talk about their inner child kind of thing. I think I, I wasn't the most playful kind of child. Um, I think as soon as you start competing, especially at an age like four years old, I think I, I just became very serious and kind of preoccupied right. with racing and that, that you know, it was quite early on, that was like my identity and that's what I wanted to do and at the time I didn't really have any friends in the sport, it was more, um, you know, spent time with the older cyclists. Yeah, right. Um, and, and at that age then, and I mean, I know your dad as well, uh, people use the word pushy parents but were your parents encouraging to go and do it or were they just if you want to do it do it if you don't don't yeah not really um not pushy at all um i think it supportive was, it was more that learned behavior of you know i used to go and watch my dad compete and i, th- I think that just gets ingrained in you um yeah. i was quite like you know i suppose at, t- at that age i was probably you know his biggest fan and i remember the kind of only fan only fan probably yeah but uh they, they just like that look of determination that he he kind of had and people that know him would um be able to relate i think um that the, the you know obviously i witnessed a lot of training that went on and yeah. a lot of kind of effort that went into what he was doing so i think um i think like any young boy you kind of want to hmm. kind of impress your dad don't you so that there, there was a little bit of that going on um my brother also did a bit of cycling and stuff and but we, in fairness i think we did a, a, a good mixture we went to a lot of you know activities and um, your brother's older I can never remember my brother brother's a couple of years older, older yeah. right. so we all did a, a fair bit um, but for me exercise and, and, and sport it, you know I struggled in school you know at a young age um, attention span whatever As it might have been just school wasn't a fun place to be for me And um, yes yeah, so the studying side you mean from that side yeah, yeah the academic just, side um, being around a lot of people was, right. it was always quite challenging for me so I think sport was my kind of outlet um 
when I was about five, six years old, I developed this squint in my eye. Okay. So I had to wear like an eye patch. Um, so I had to wear, well, I was supposed to wear these like thick glasses. I had to have an operation. And years later, I had other operations. But that, that was, I was already, you know, I was quite a playful character before then. And, and, and you know, even though I was only kind of the age of six, I think that that affected me massively, especially someone who kind of spent all his life really just trying to be liked and fit in and yeah. it's all about being popular and caring far too much what people think. Um, so that, you know, if I could go a, a day three primary school without someone making a comment, that was a, yeah. a relatively good day. So um struggled with attention, was just kind of, you know, had that lingering over me. And for me, you know, I, I, I'm the first to say that I've had a very good upbringing, you know, love, yeah. support, lots of opportunity, um, but being a sensitive little boy that I was, I, I think that affected me quite a lot. And yeah. it's probably quite traumatic for me that um, that was something that, you know, stayed with me. Um, and is that something in your own, as we obviously work through through your story to date, that's something you obviously not clicked but it's come you've become more aware of that that had that impact yeah at massive. the time yeah, yeah. That, that's where but later in life started yeah right. even even as an adult job interviews and stuff it, it's something so if, if you think about the context of that um so i've kind of gone full circle now now everything's about trying to be more still um but if 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 that's something you struggle with you, you just want to be on the move so people can't pay attention okay yeah, pick yeah. up on it so for me it was almost like when I got in from school and I'd put my bike helmet on and my glasses or my BMX helmet, it was almost like putting on a superhero outfit. Right. And it was like, finally, I, that was the only moment of the day where I stopped Felt comfortable. Because right, yeah. I was on the move. I, and I think that that kind of behavior kind of stayed with me really for most of my life in terms of, you know, being quite unsettled. And then when I'm, exercising that's my kind of inner you know peace kind of yeah, yeah. the inner chatter stops and i suppose well we know it's called the flow state thing which i i, I wasn't aware of until recently um but that it kind of makes sense now and um just i found you know I, I was quite an anxious little kid and just being around people all day i found quite like tired yeah, and stuff, yeah. especially when you couldn't really be yourself and could fit in and so, were you were you aware of that when you go through your, your day, you were just like, I'm not really bothered about school. All I can think about and concentrate on is that I'm looking forward to that time on the bike. I'm not aware, I'm not really present here in that. I'm just thinking about getting on the bike where I know I can be happy. Yeah, my my school, like I had no interest in, in, in anything at school, to be honest. Um, school was a com just a complete chore for me. Yeah. I, I, I didn't even, you know, I, I had... Um, a lot of friends at school but you know it was just quite um yeah i wouldn't say i i i was that obsessed with with kind of cycling especially more into high school i i had no it was just well, I, yeah. it made me very very narrow-minded but i just didn't pay attention to anything else yeah. unless i thought it was going to make me a faster cyclist or you know a stronger cyclist you know i started um it did become very obsessive which you know now i know and this is a message i send to young athletes you know do a bit of everything you know i took it far too serious and um you know i i struggled a bit at school so I'm, you know as soon as soon as you find something in life that you've got a little bit of passion um you know kind of a little bit of focus i think yeah. that, that you know that just gave me a bit of confidence so i quite enjoyed the attention i was getting from it 
Um, it's it's fu- just to go back to the point around be, being at school and uh, the squint and the it, it, when you look at this, it, it's it's funny, isn't it? How because I go back to Rich Hill's podcast that so many people keep talking to me about this nature versus nurture and that young age where you're so impressionable that that when, it, during that phase of your life when you're then stuck with a load of kids who are obviously the same age and have no concept of how words can affect people. Uh, and the old adage of what's it words can't hurt you but stones can type of thing but clearly they do not not just from the story you tell me clearly that's the case so you're then in a situation where you're self-conscious because of that or you know everyone has some whether it's i grew up with a I probably still got a big head but a big head literally and i get a lot of abuse for it and you're so impressionable at that age it does leave an imprint doesn't it so you're in such a brutal environment for some somewhat i don't mean you every all of us at that young age yeah i i, I think for me as well like even to this day there's only like about five people in, in, in my life that have ever seen me with wearing glasses right. even now it's a, it's something you know whether it's a flashback thing or whatever you know since then it's not as much of an issue now you know i've had i had to have other operations and stuff but i think um you know let's be when you're young and stuff you know you it kind of yeah it, it, it was quite a a little experience yeah, for me. Yeah. So I, th- I think um, it's a trauma, isn't it? And, and we, we are, you know, especially um, you, you know, we are, you know, even the alpha males out there. I think we're a lot more sensitive. And, I, and it, this isn't something I've spoke about in the past. So, you know, it, it's only now I'm, I've kind of, when I've looked back, really from birth, um, and I've had the opportunity to do that um, the last couple of years, which we'll, we'll talk about later. But I, th- I think. Um, that's where my yeah, yeah, yeah. you know self like confidence and stuff like that kind of um yeah kind of yeah just a little fragile mind really. yeah it's funny again going back to you look at you look at social media and we just talked about how people project their lives out there and how they wish to project them however whether whether they're actually really like that or not and you talk about that. Fra- I've known you for a number of years, and I'd, they're not three words. You said they're fragile mind, and the other two I'd never associate with you. And again, as not not super close to you, but I know you. But again, so again, that what's behind closed doors is for everyone. Is I suppose for everyone's the same. There's those uh, demons or whatever the right word is. Everyone's a little bit struggling with something. Yeah, I think I think especially now in in adult life. Um, yeah, I'm quite. Um, I think expressing vulnerability and stuff. Um, yeah, like I said, I'm kind of, you know, in general, I had a fantastic upbringing, you know, with lots of good people around me. Um, and yeah, I was lucky enough to kind of find sport, which it, which kind of got me through. You know, I wasn't a disruptive child in the classroom. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, and I was popular as well. I had a lot of friends, but a lot of that was through my kind of effort and energy I put into trying to be liked. I think that's my you know if I, if I could go back to being a child again yeah, that, that would probably be the the biggest goal of mine really. yeah, yeah, yeah. um you just that must up. be an insecurity thing then I yeah assume. massively yeah, yeah. yeah um I, but it was strange it was like even though i had you know a lot of friends and stuff i've always kind of struggled having deep connections and this this went on later in life with partners for example and um kind of yeah a lot of acquaintances but you know People, not that many people in the world that I can feel like I truly be myself. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. And again, you know, sport paints a different kind of picture of you, doesn't it? You know, yeah, especially yeah, more yeah. recently, it's <laughs> like, you know, people see, you know, the training you do or the the, the races you do, and you kind of just think, oh, you know, this guy, this guy's like this. But yeah, you know, 
you know, it, it's quite often not the case. No, I no. Mean, it's an onion. There's so um, many things peel, you can peel back yeah. and, and see underneath. So those early teen years, you start racing away on a droppy, pretty competitive. Uh, I certainly know that, and I remember that. So that's 14, 15, going at, you know, you obviously... Who's taking you away at that stage? So, Are they organised? Yeah, Dot Tilbury, yeah. I think um, Uncle Gary, Gary Hines, um, <laughs> took um, us away a couple of times, but um, mainly Dot Tilbury, right. who um, I think... Um, I think it was a couple of months ago she invited me to like the 25th anniversary of the um, Tuesday Night League and uh, <clears throat> that that for me actually she won an award recently and um, kind of reminded me of I've kind of always looked back at the kind of my life in cycling and stuff it's been hard to kind of take out like you know the kind of happy days from it but I think um, watching Doc get interviewed and stuff that that you know I, I remembered you know how kind of much I look forward to the Tuesday night league and stuff and the trips away and the races and I think probably around about 12 13 14 in terms of actual cycle and that was that was probably where I was I was probably at my kind of I wouldn't say peak but in terms of enthusiasm that that was probably where I was at my best yes. and and that's where I met you in terms of I used to you know you had to be 12 before you could do the 10 mile time trial league so mm. when i was 11 i'd sit in the timekeeper's minibus jotting down times of what's the you know under 13's record no and i used to you know watch all these adults come in and like right they're doing these times we sat I, there go, we was, sat there going martin martin's not going very well here <laughs> no, <laughs> another post so 24 minutes i remember doing the um <clears throat> the schoolboy time trials where you'd be doing the, the you know the a races and it was yeah, a good yeah. scene back yeah, then. It was, I mean, yeah, yeah. you know, there was yourself, Paco, um, Tony Paxton, Eddie Murphy, my dad, you know, Gav. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I quite um, carefree. I'd imagine you look back on those yeah, sort of. I, th- I think as well, it was it was fairly. Um, there wasn't the pressures that you know, since kind of around that era. Since then, you know, at, at that time there was Rob Holden who came back to the island. Or, or moved to the island, and then there was Andrew Roach, um, who went on. But obviously, like to Steve Jock and people like that, Doyle, they were like before my time, so I, I couldn't really relate to them. But um, yeah, it was it was a bit more fun, friendly kind yeah, of. Yeah. It's, since then, we all know it's it's gone very kind of cutthroat, hasn't it? The cycling scene in terms of standard and yeah. and, and and everyone's aspiring to be the next big thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where back then it was a bit more, you know, you you enjoy it, you do it, and and and. Yeah, it, the, it was all about a hobby, really. There was no, I mean, there was no path. Certainly, when I raced, I say a few years older than you, there was the thought of riding professionally, let alone the Tour de France, was just it just wasn't. I mean, it wasn't happening in Great Britain. So why would someone from the Isle of Man even think of that possibility? And obviously, we'll get onto it. But in many ways, you and Cavill first onto that academy uh, really paved that way. Certainly for Manx cyclists now, those those guys going on the academy that. Day one was you guys, so you were going into somewhat of an unknown at that stage. Um, yeah, I think, um, yeah, I'll take myself out of that one. I think uh, <laughs> I, Cav and Pete and people like that, they've definitely kind of, um, yeah, they've made that dream, you know, yeah, yeah. For, you know, for, for young people uh, growing you up. You can see it now. I, and yeah. you can see it, and it, it, it's not, not just them two. We've had it with, uh, it, it's been quite... No one would have ever predicted that. No, no. You know, no one that, that such a small island will go on to have such a 
a, a depth of good quality riders, and it's still happening now. And and, and, and let's be honest, you know, take Doc Tilbury away, yeah, you know, yeah, that, yeah. That, that that won't be happening. Um, I get, that got me think when you mentioned Doc earlier, and you mentioned Gary. I mean, Gary Gary used to take me away racing when I was sixteen, seventeen, and again those dots obviously had a lot of recognition and rightly so for all the work she does. Uh, but without that kind of help at grassroots, uh, this, none of us would get anywhere near what we want to do. You know, even if we just want at that age, I just want to go and race away in the UK and try and improve myself a little bit. And without them taking you away, and I'm sure it was the same for yourself as well. Yeah, I think it, in any and sport, Matt, yeah. Um, racing, yeah, I've yeah. been with Matt. Yeah, away. Um, I think, um, yeah, just in all sports, I think they're probably the people I admire the most, yeah, you know, yeah. people that are doing it on a voluntary level. Mm. And I think um, some of the, you know, people that I know, for example, I'm not going to name them all, but the time they put in and the effort they put in and stuff. And yeah, the, I think it's, um, it's it, Isleman's a fantastic place for sport. For that. So at 14, 15, you're racing away. Did you, did you think about, I want to pursue this, appreciating to go back, that, that pathway that people see now wasn't there. Was that, were you then looking, I can do this more regularly? Because, Again, you used the word obsessed before, but or was it just I just want to ride my bike all the time, all the time, and wherever it leads me, it'll lead me. Yeah, I'd say from about um, <clears throat> the age of twelve, I was kind of yeah. By this point, I thought this is it now. This is my right. kind of identity. This is my path. There's nothing else. There's, was there nothing there, else in your life as a kid? No, no, no. no. In terms, I played football and stuff like that, but I mean that that that, that was the only thing that um, I could focus on really. Right. It sounds really cynical, narrow-minded and stuff, but I just wasn't really interested in anything else. Don't get me wrong, I was a typical teenager, you know, drinking white lightning at the age of 12 and <laughs> down the under-18s cave and hanging around with riffraff and stuff like that, but I was, I, I always kind of, yeah, had this kind of picture in my head that Tour de France, Tour de France, and I wanted right. to get there and... I used to run home from school and put on my King of the Mountains jersey and go and any any you know I'd go out with probably the likes of yourself on the with the older guys and because um, there wasn't at the time there wasn't that many no. thirteen year olds kind of cycling, um, but yeah I, that, I had it in my head and I remember a, a teacher asked me a question once what what happens if you break your leg or something like this and straight away I was like well Marco Pantani did it so he came back from a broken leg that, and, and that's where I was and it, it was kind of like. Um, the whole concept of you know how we kind of support young athletes now has changed. You know, at the time it was just me and a pipe dream, yeah, yeah. And, and I was kind of left to it. Um, and you know, I, I had support from my parents and stuff, but I think you know when I look back, I was a I was a, I was a real light bloomer, especially as a fourteen year old, um, physically, oh, you right. know, emotionally, emotionally, and kind of. Um, yeah, I, I was far too young to be kind of making decisions like that. But yeah, it, yeah. it's all I knew, to be honest. I did a lot of it. You know, if you think, you know, by this point, I'd been doing it for 10 years, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I was a serious little character. Yeah, yeah. Um, when you're sitting there about um, the sport, what about parents? Were they, did you talk to them about the dream of that that's what you wanted? Were they yeah, passive and saying, okay, okay. But, or were they like, right, let's let's see what. Let's see if we can make this a path. Pack down, Christian, get back to school. Is that what they said to you? Yeah, but, uh, so my mum's always kind of supported me whatever I did. And, um, and it, it was a, f a funny period, really, because around about four, 14 or so, this is where I suppose I mean, Cav built up this kind of 
bit of a, I suppose, a little Manx rivalry. Um, for those who don't know, like my mum and Cav's mum have remained best friends for the oh, last kind of, kind of, almost thirty years, and I think they've made a kind of little little ground rule that they don't speak about me and Cav, right. and they they meet up every week. And um, so me and Cav lived, you know, um, about a mile away from each other, um, and yeah, so so we we at the t- you know. I think was he the same? I was probably more. He probably came into it a little bit later. Um, he didn't start off quite as young. Um, but yeah, that that's all I wanted. But to be honest, do you really know what you want at that no. age? I, I think it, that was the one thing in my life that gave me a bit of confidence. Yeah. So I'd probably you'd be drawn you know, to it, wouldn't you? Yeah. yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And I enjoyed riding my bike, and for reasons and I know, you know, exercise is just fantastic, isn't it? It's that you know yeah. kind of you know it's a probably the best time of the day in terms of just you know we're designed to be having about being active and um yeah it's all it's all i kind of knew really what do you um, think about that balance balance between that and this the i suppose the side where people get and i think we're all guilty of it certainly sat around here and many many people listening of doing too much of it and then affecting you in a negative way it's obviously a it's a difficult balance because you so talk and everyone talks about how healthy a sport is and getting exercise, but it's I, a fine I, tipping point to then getting obsessed by it and having effect on other parts of your life. Yeah, there's got there's got to be a lot more to, especially that parent child relationship. You know, the, you, you, your relationship shouldn't be stemmed around your sport and success. You know, there has to be a lot more to that relationship. And I think as well, like you know, studies have shown and. I did some work with sports age, you know, it, we're encouraging young athletes now, especially primary school, early years of high school, you know, you should be doing, it's actually jeopardising your development, just fixating on one sport, right. you know, you're missing out on a lot of other fundamental skills and experiences as well, kind of master what you struggle with, you know, my yeah. thing was, you know, I avoided the yeah, things yeah, that yeah. I was uncomfortable doing, and now I've kind of got, you know, 30, 35 now, and kind of got a, a different approach com- completely but you know um yeah i kind of i kind of was left to my own devices in a bit you know in in terms of i never really had a firm talking to yeah, yeah, yeah. um whether you'd listen at that well, like, no, i listen, mean you anyone yeah, at that age know, 18 if you try telling yeah. me at 14 yeah, yeah, yeah. i listen you need to just chill out on the bike a little bit and you know go go and do this um yeah little things yeah. yes yeah you know as in you're not gonna as in 14 year olds principally yeah I'm gonna, I'm gonna um, listen. you're but, talking about the rest of your career as well i think back again when i was at school and you go on your you go for like a week's secondment somewhere don't you in an office and you mm-hmm. get put in and i remember going to an office and came back and they were like you go and see the career i know it's all part of the process but you go through this career what do you want to do in your career and i haven't i still not really what i want to do now no. so can't isn't that 14 15 you just you haven't you know, people obviously have aspirations to do certain things. We talk about sport, but generally speaking, you haven't. I think you haven't really got a clue what you. Yeah, that, that age fourteen. I think I. Yeah, I, you know, I, I probably got into my alcohol a little bit, kind of then, like a lot of a lot of us did. Um, yeah. There was what a bit more to do nice back then, to be honest. You know, I, I quite. Uh, you know, that that was more of a Friday night, but but I think there was a little bit of, for me isolation you know in terms of it, it felt like i was the only one getting up you know saturday sunday morning to go training uh, i, I kind of that that's changed a lot the last 20 years I've, I've noticed that there's been you know youngsters that are kind of gen, genuinely you know good friends with each other who got training uh, and 
you know, at my time, it, it, it was a bit different. Um, like you say, there's only a few doing it, yeah. really, back then. Yeah. You were kind of the odd, odd one out, really. The cyclists yeah. were odd ones, odd one outs. Yeah. So, so I was convinced, um, yeah, that that's what I was going to try and do, go away and try and yeah. try and um, make a go of it. Um, so 16, 17, you obviously racing as a junior then. The academy is... So you'd have joined that, we'll get on to how you got on to that, but 18 did the academy start, the so GB academy? I think it was an under-23 academy. I, I think I was 19 and Cal right. was 18, yeah. So you must have, during your junior years racing, you were then racing away a lot in the UK, and I assume getting results on the basis you got noticed. Yeah, it, it was, there wasn't, um, it was like the Buckley series and stuff like that, um, then went on to the so under-23 series. series of rounds, yeah, yeah through, the, through I, the UK. I, but... I think when I look back, I w- life started to just slowly get in the way a little bit. Then, um, right. it, it, even though I, this 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 goal, this kind of dream, I had, I, I think I was pro- as a bike rider, I was probably at my best at about fifteen or sixteen, and that's the god's god's honest truth. I think I was probably faster then than I've ever been because as I as I went past that sixteen year old mark, you know. I started, you know, paying a lot more attention to other things in the world yeah, in right. terms of not necessarily obsessions, but I mean, I was very curious curious about what other people were doing and and what else is out there. Right. Um, and I, I I really struggled with right. This is my plan. I'm going to stick to this plan and see what happens. I always thought I was missing out on stuff. The the the, the and that could be a, a thing of trying to fit in. Um, it could be. As I was getting a little bit higher up the cycling world, the, the pressure starts to kick in. Nice. There was no plan B in place. There was like, and a little bit of like, hang on, is this actually what I'm, what I yeah, want to yeah, do? Yeah, I don't yeah. even know who I am. I yeah, don't even know, yeah. you know. Um, and I didn't really know much about myself away from cycling. So, and and that took me, you know, well probably, you know, up until the last couple of years, I've I've still struggled with that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you just kind of fall into this thing. I mean, if you go back to, so I joined the academy two thousand and four, um, and and that that passion thing completely went. That combine that in with teenagers, priorities, women, and um, you know, opposite sex kind of relationships. So th- th- there is a, a few more distractions. Yeah, yeah. Luckily, I'm not around now for the social media kind of side <laughs> of it. I think MSN Messenger, I used to get myself in enough trouble with. Dial, um, up, dial up with Yahoo or whatever. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, Academy yeah. was 19, so moved to... So how did that come about? That uh, Did you get, you know, did you get a call one day saying, we're setting this, this up, this is how it works, you fancy coming over? There was like a criteria for it, and um, right. like you said, we were the guinea pigs, and it, it was track and road at the time, so it was kind of. And you'd not I, done I, track. I never this, rode so the track, yeah. no. So I, I kind of, obviously, when you've you've got a kind of a title of Olympic Development kind of academy, kind of, um, I think Rob Holden coached me at the time. Um, he he was successful on the road and track. Um, so Andrew Roach, he was on the island again. So. I think it was like something that you're obviously going to have an interest in. Um, so the thing with me though, that, you know, I, I, this is where I started struggling with confidence. You know, training came quite easy, but as soon as you put a, a number on my back, I'd kind of struggle a little bit with it. Um, wasn't you know, I didn't have you know, the, there was a lot of self doubt going on and stuff like that. 
Um, so when they threw me on the track, I was up against you know my the other guys on the academy, Ed Clancy, you know, yeah. Olympic gold medalist Matt Bramier went on to ride for HTC, which was the equivalent of Team Sky. Um, obviously, Cav, which we know about, um, and there was a couple of others who were actually you know just as talented as them really, and I. I I'm a bit, anyone that knows me now, I'm a bit of a diesel engine. Um, so that really punchy, explosive stuff. Um, and obviously the little experience I had with it, I, I kind of threw myself in at the deep end. And just mentally, it was a bad place to be, um, you know, basically getting my head kicked in. And and even though it should have been complimenting my road riding, because my morale and no. in general, it, it you know, it wasn't a, you know, the ego was taking a bit of a hammering really. Were you aware of that at the time, do you think that, but you had you know, struggling in the mind to with that, or was it just you, you couldn't really see the wood for the trees type of in your, yeah, in your mind? Yeah, I, I, I think um, I, I tell you what I struggled with on the academy. I, I was kind of having a few issues away from the cycling in terms of lifestyle and stuff. But I tell you what, I found it quite intense, and I think I've tried so hard to kind of like fit in with people, and I, I've always been like a bit of a social chameleon. But I think. Even when I was young, I, I, I was probably quite introverted, even though I'd try and act like I wasn't. And the thing with the academy was, not only were you racing together, training together, you were actually living together. And I think I struggled with that. Yeah. I, I quite liked you know, my own space. And I think that was just as challenging as the actual training. Right. Um, so, you know, it was the first year. Um, obviously, if you look at that year group, it's, it was a oh, successful one. Yeah, yeah. I think if you look at, you know, since they've started that, I know. I think maybe a year or two after um, two thousand and four, they they changed it a little bit and sent riders out to Italy. Um, yeah, and I think John maybe, talked about that. I think, yeah, yeah, I think uh, you know, at first I thought to myself, you know, would that have suited me more? Um, and and just before I left the academy, I had an appointment with. Um, well, I tried to make an appointment with Steve Peters. Yeah, and um, who. For those who don't know, wrote the book Chimp Paradox and stuff like that. And, and still to this day, I, I I always think to myself, you know, what would I have told them? Would mm. I have been honest with them? Because stuff stuff I was getting up to back then, um, you know, that's where some of these destructive behaviours happened, which I honestly have no idea what I would have said to him. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and again, you know, would it have made any difference? I, I think... From what I know now about myself, um, you know, physically, maybe, yeah, cut out to be a professional cyclist. Mentally at the time, no, no, no way was I designed to be a professional athlete. Because it's all about decision making, coping with pressure, um, you know, self confidence, self discipline, and 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 I've always been a little bit wild, and I think I I wasn't quite ready for that kind of. You know, think about it. You know, eighteen, nineteen. It's still fairly young, isn't it? It was quite right. big. Yeah. Um, so I think just, often that's the, sorry, Matt. I was just going to say often that's the, I think the last hurdle for for um, most professional or non-professional athletes. That last hurdle of a lot of our podcasts about the mind and that last that last little stage of having the mind in the right place to be able to deal with all those things. I know I, the exact same reasons. Not that I had the talent either, but I'd have never been able to do it either because I didn't have the didn't have the right mind. Had too much self doubt. That to even competing locally at an island games level, I put too much pressure on myself to know that 
if it was the next level up and next level up and you're probably three up from me and then from there it's another six to top top pro isn't it I've just never been able to deal with it never yeah it, it, I don't think I could do it now let alone <laughs> cycling is quite a stressful sport I mean it, you know that you, you've got you know 200 especially the races we were doing away you go away there's like 150 people in the race everyone's fighting to be at the front you know it, you know it's you know there's it, actually like for me I, I didn't realize at the time but this is where I was starting to become a little bit bit of an anxious kind of young adult and for me I, I hated being in that bunch I you know I wasn't the best bike handler but I, I just I felt like claustrophobic and, and I used to do stupid things in races and this stayed with me you know even more recently but I just liked you know it's like a, a damaged you know wild animal wanting to get out of his cage right. I just I didn't have the patience and, and mental composure to just say right this race is five hours long you just chill out for four hours and then the race is going to start yeah. where me i'd be like <laughs> yeah straight know, from or, the or i'd be just you're doing stupid things and and you know that you know i i didn't know what you know you know people talk obviously now a lot about mindfulness and training the mind and you know the, the, the funny thing about it which i kind of chuckle at if you had asked me at 18 19 20 what my attitude was like i genuinely would have said Oh yeah, spot on. Yeah, good attitude. It it was terrible, you know. And I look back, and I'm amazed I even did what I did. You know, I shouldn't have. You know, when I say a poor attitude, just um, you know, I was soft. I was. You know, I think we're all wrapped up in cotton wool. I was, you know, kind of, yeah, just work ethic, and in terms of kind of like. Just that maturity, you know, it, it took me years to get a hold, hold on life. You know, right. I, I, I'm, and for, you know, obviously we can go into that later on, but I mean, you, th- you think about, I know a lot of people struggle, um, you know, to, um, in, in any sport, but, you know, pro cycling, there's a lot of pressure and it, it's very, you know, there's a fine line between, and, and even more so for amateurs, you know, I think cycling is a tough sport as an amateur. Especially living on the Isle of Man, because you know you're up against people that've been doing Dot Tilbury's League. You know, yeah. so you come into the sport late, say from football, and you you turn up to a bike star handicap, and you've got world champions rock up, mm. and yeah. you've got people that have been doing it, you know, since got you know yeah. Tuesday night league. But I think in all sport, I mean, it, it's tough. I mean, and, and and young people have to be aware that it, it's not all this, you know, you know, glamorous mm. story. I mean, let's think about it, like. All sport teaches you really is to be self-obsessed, selfish. You you're never satisfied. You because you, you're always striving for perfection. Yeah. It's sport is the opposite to Buddhism. Uh, you, it's the complete opposite. Professional sport, not even professional sport. Let's just talk about any competitive sport. Unless you have the ability to actually stop and think, this is where I started. This is how far I've come. That was a good performance. That was a really good performance. I'm enjoying it. Unless you've got the ability to give yourself praise, yeah. yeah. What? Why? Why do you do it? Yeah. You know, it's it's. There's it, hobbies are supposed to reduce stress, not create. Yeah, yeah. And I, and we'll go on into that later on. But I mean, how healthy is competitive sport yeah, at yeah. the highest level? How healthy is it for you know the buzzword at the minute is well-being. Hmm. You know, if you think of someone's well-being with them pressures on you, you know how, you know how grounded can you be? Yeah. So, and I, I just want to touch back on, on your time at GB, there, the academy. Talked a lot there about being introverted, the chameleon, the track wasn't something you've been doing. 
mm-hmm. lot of kind of negative side that I guess when I'm what I'm hearing when I'm you're talking about were the parts of it you actually enjoyed in that sense. Do you know what I, I think? I it wasn't the sport for me. The sport was the the easier bit in in, in some ways. You know, I enjoy training. I enjoy exercising. I was just really uncomfortable in my own skin. I just wanted to be anyone but me. Yeah. And I, and that that you, you can get away with it for so long, but at some point, you know, it, it follows you. And if you've got them behaviours that you know, I I didn't really realise it, but um, I I was just yeah, I was so kind of you know interested in what everyone else was doing. Yeah. You know why? Why am I wasting? You know, who cares what other people are doing? Who cares what people think of me? But no. I, unfortunately, you know, I'm getting better at it. I'm not a hundred percent. Well, I, I was almost. It's it's small communities are funny places to grow up, and for whatever reason, I had this like self sabotage kind of way about me that when when anything was going good, this isn't just in sport, whether it's relationships, jobs, whatever. Whenever something was going good for me. I had to just go and fuck it up, I, I, and and whether that's I'm more comfortable in life failing than succeeding. I don't know where where that comes from. Is it easier just to you know kind of I don't know I, I I don't know what that is. Is it a comfort thing? Is it am I do I have a fear of someone turning around and saying no you're actually not quite good enough? I think that was something that stood out a lot for me. So if I go and make all these mistakes then i've got this justification of like oh well you know maybe i could have went on to be so and so um so but, all those kind of worries doubts kind of hit that tipping point for your enjoyment ultimately of what you're doing and has affected that for you to then say okay well maybe this isn't what i signed up for yeah the, the, in terms of the enjoyment i didn't enjoy any of the academy yeah. if i'm being brutally honest i think um, at the time you're aware of that um I don't. I, I tell you what. What kind of changed me a little bit was um, just kind of sixteen, seventeen. You know, my kind of. I suppose they were like role models. I was starting to get into the music scene a little bit. You know, kind of. I don't Stone Roses stuff like that. Other other kind of like indie rock bands and stuff like. That. And my friends were going away gigging, and I was kind of. I was trying to do a little bit of both. You know, I'm going to be this pro cyclist, but I'm going to do a bit of this as well. And I kind of. It was funny, my kind of role models growing up um, away from sport, you know, these kind of like rock stars in a way. It's like they were all a bit loose and they were a bit wild. And I was always, it was almost like, yeah, he's a bit of a character, you know, he's a bit, you know. Where now it's, you know, 20 years later or whatever, you want to be the opposite. You know, you're trying to be calm, you're trying to be, you know. And I think there was a little bit of, you know, you go back to when you're at school, you know, you kind of got the piss taken out of you if you were happy or calm, you know, and that's all, all we're striving for. I wouldn't now. even say school, even early, early, exactly. yeah, yeah. You know, talk it's about like, meditation and like yeah, being mocked. It's like, yeah, look yeah. at that happy twat, yeah, as you yeah, think yeah, he is, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. and in general, like, and I, and I know a lot of people struggle with this. I mean, you know, you think about it, you think, who do you know in your life that you see? And every time you see them, they genuinely come across happy. Yeah. So our last podcast we recorded with Guy. That when you meet him, it, it, it's all, it is almost a little not strange talking to him, but he is so positive and so happy. And you're kind of looking for what's that formula that's that makes you like that because it's the reality is 
you just don't see it all the time. And we're all yeah. guilty of it. That yeah. There's always something rumbling on where I met someone and him and he, he left an impression on me of he's just p- positive all the time and you just... It's bizarre, really, as humans because we, you know, we must biologically want to be happy. That must be inbuilt yeah. in, in the genes. There's a, there's a big, you know, especially in... in you know, Britain is a big drinking culture and stuff, and we're quite a sarcastic nation, aren't we? And I think um, I'm very good at that. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, there's there's kind of like I don't know the the, the ego. It, at the time, it it wasn't trendy to be to be you know kind of authentic to be to be you know we we were all a bit you know that alpha male thing going mm. on, and it, it's, a, it's a load of bollocks when you look back. But I mean, you get caught up in it, and and I, I would. I would, re- I really do sympathise for youngsters in today's world because it's got, it's got worse. It's got worse in that regard, but do you think it's slightly balanced out where now you talk about well-being and that's something that's actively promoted now that younger people have that opportunity to talk. Where certainly back then, just look at myself, I'd never in an environment comfortable enough to feel I could talk about it because, like you say, you'd be mocked or, or bullied or even picked on for talking about your emotions. So. The, I don't know, I do see that as a good thing because I, I do think youngsters can maybe get that opportunity to go, well, you know, I do feel like this and feel like that. And I, I think the support and the, the shift in awareness and education in sport and out has, has been fantastic, especially, you know, over here. And I, th- I think there's a lot of good good stuff out there now, but I still think, imagine how challenging it must be, you know, going back to when we were at school with, you know, the, the apps and the phones oh. and you, you, you literally... It, it, I suppose it's a bit like you know, everyone's got an element of fame, haven't they? You know, we're, especially yeah. in a small community. I mean, that everyone know, or you you've got a perception that everyone knows everything about you. Mm. And um, I just think now, you know, girls and lads, you know, the, the, they're so self conscious and image conscious, and everyone's got that you're posting. You know, it's like watching a cartoon, isn't it? Social yeah. media, we only see yeah. the good good side of people right. and people, um, people make the jobs of influencers or whatever it is isn't it yeah. the people who just go on to say how, look here how look how good my life is or whatever it is that they're doing off around the world or whatever no you see is a photo yeah you yeah. know you don't see everything yeah. else that's behind that sort of thing you said it's yeah. just a, a false wall it's um yeah i think it's challenging for them i think um you can tell quite a lot by a picture on you and uh, yeah. I think uh, if I didn't have to have a work Facebook I'd be off so, <laughs> so you come come back from the GB Academy and you use the word before about destructive behaviour what 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 kind of happened from that stage and maybe I give observations from I suppose my side knowing you got obviously gone to the academy you cut co- you come back and I don't I suppose I look back and I don't really remember Again, we everyone always I think pussyfoots around the word failure, uh, because it, it's a negative connotation. So I would imagine, from your perspective, you may consciously think I failed at this. Uh, as an observer, that's not something. Maybe I just didn't have an opinion on it. I don't ever remember seeing it and going, "He failed at that," or "There's an opportunity that's lost." It was just, I don't know, life moves on, whatever. I didn't maybe I didn't overanalyze what why you came back, uh, but yeah, from your side, what when you came back to the island, what what was your mind like that? And then you know you talk about that destructive behaviour. How did that pan out? Yeah, I think I had um, I had a partner at the time, so I think people's kind of probably an initial um, reaction to it was like you know a bit homesick kind of thing. Um, 
what and and I think you know there was a a, a bit of um kind of the academy was a bit like a boot camp thing quite disciplined and you know I I made the academy a lot harder than it needed to be in terms of you know I was doing things you know kind of away from the cycling scene where I was having late nights and stuff like that and that's where some of the substance misuse kind of kicked in it actually kicked in like well before the academy I think I was about 17 and my mum my found um you know drugs in the house and I was mm. quite I think um for me it was it was um just anything that can get me away from me so anything that can change the way you think you feel I, I was really into because right. it stops me from being myself you know it's, it's an escapism yeah. so I always looked at things externally so it could be females it could be substance it could be um, exercise does it doesn't it you yeah, know yeah, yeah. anything that just gets me out of my little mind and, and I think um, as soon as I come back there's thousands and thousands of you know young athletes that you know don't quite get to where they want to get to I think for me no one could have predicted the success that and 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 you know the Cav story you know no one at the time could have ever predicted that um, apart from Cav, maybe he. I think he was the only one that had a, an incline to it. Um, that that for me was a bit of a. It, it was like a double whammy of a just a, a constant reminder of, you know, Wait, of, of, of what yeah went wrong. And and it wasn't a case. I'm not sat here today saying that could have been me because it couldn't because me and Cav are completely different types of riders, different types of people, and and there was a bit of resistance between me and Cav, but. I, I'm the first, you know, to to see. He was very close to leaving the academy himself. You know, I've seen him jump, get off the bike on a training ride, throw the bike on the floor, burst into tears. He was struggling on the road rides, and to see him go on and do what he's done, you know, I'm, we've got a very good relationship now. But I think, you know, I'll give you an example. Like I'm coming back from Ibiza on you know a lads' holiday, and you know you, you land at Ronald's way, and there's this big billboard cab, and yeah, you know yeah. that that was quite. Reminder. It, yeah, it, it it was a bit. So I I kind of I moved away from cycling. I I, I kind of took myself out of it, and um, I was lost. You know, completely. Like I think you know, I I went from job to job. I didn't. I I really. I just felt like now what? Like what? So like you know, like I said, I kind of yeah got caught up into. I was probably known as more of a Jack the Lad, bit of a party animal kind of thing, but. The, the thing with it, especially with substance misuse for me, it, it wasn't fun for me. It, even back then, it wasn't. Mm-hmm. I had this uh, kind of thing with just... I always had to stay up that you know late then. I always used to have more than other people. I used to have to... I, I, I just... It, it, was, it was a bit... Like, the best way to describe it, it was almost like self-harm. You, you just trying to just making life a hell of a lot harder than it needed to be, and and that was all my choice. I chose to do it. Yeah. Um, I'm not here today playing the victim that you know I've had it hard or whatever because everything I've done, you know, has been a choice. And and I think people unfortunately have things happen to them out of their control and they've got to deal with it. And I think you know I've had a, a very good life, um, but I've just yeah. for whatever reason decided to make it a lot harder than it needed, needed to be. So those times when you, you sat with mates or whatever and you're like, right, let's let's do something, you know, take some drugs, are you consciously, again, thinking, don't really want to do this or you 
just maybe going with the flow or is it maybe looking back now it, you see it as you didn't really think about it and it, for you it was just an escape from from the real Christian yeah even even going back to when I was young um, I, I, th- I think again people have this thing about you know you kind of influence and peer pressure but with me there wasn't any of that it just came from me and right. I, 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 it it did because I just do it on my own, so right, you know, no, and right. that's I, I was like that even when I was young and and I kind of um, you do get sucked into certain you know kind of um, groups and stuff like that. I, th- I think one thing I will say for you know people will react you know however they want to this and it might raise a few eyebrows, but I think there's um, a bit of an epidemic at the minute, especially in the UK with uh, substance misuse. And I think people are quite naive to kind of be. You know, I, I think it's a lot more common than you know people might yeah, yeah. might assume. So I, I think uh, it, it worries me that, especially now I've became a parent myself. You know, the the, the world we live in, it's it's gone very, you know, and it, it, it it's a concern of mine. And um, yeah, so, it needs sorting out. But so so we use the word addiction, and uh, at that age, were you? you were you're an addict then no no i i kind of i always just thought i was just like a heavy recreational kind of wreckhead really (laughs) i used to call myself but i mean um i used to my bit my biggest thing and it goes back whether it happened with the, the the kind of i when i was young or did it happen with the the kind of um stimulant abuse i i spent all my life kind of trying to mask everything so what I, I, I used to be quite good at trying to give people the impression that I was in a good place in life um, but really I was you know not not at all so my, my weekends were getting heavier I used to kind of like I was you did quite, a good job by the way because I wouldn't have yeah known I was quite calculated, about it. calculated so I'd like turn up and do like the odd sporting event that's so like say like a running race or something like that and quite often i'd be like picked up from a party still going oh, from right. the night before and it was just to like get your name in the paper my mum reads the independent she thinks i'm all right oh i've right. seen christian did that and it, it was all like i'm and this is how it was exhausting yeah, right. and I, i've i've spent my whole life so this is the first time i've i've spoke kind of publicly trying to like navigate around what I can say to people on what I can't and, and, and that ties me out and, and you know I've, I've worried so much about it was it was hard for me you know being over here and I, I, I kind of just had this thing where I, I just assumed everyone knew um, and I've tried to hide some bits and just kind of yeah I, I kind of sport was my kind of you know, I, I remember people used to be like oh you know you're, you're looking well you kind of you know you're keeping fit and you know i'm like but well, you know if only you, <laughs> you knew. where it was three you hours know, ago yeah uh, it, it was like and, and like it was all that like just yeah discomfort in, in myself you know and, and the thing i will say the the activity it is irrelevant you know there's people out there that over it under it yeah, you know yeah. there's people out there that gamble workaholics yeah. there's people that have affairs there's so many types of behaviors going on all around us uh, and and you know i don't believe there's that many people out there that hasn't got something that that, that can be quite damaging to them you know so i think so i was going to say one of the uh, doctors i kind of listened to historically 
we've talked about this off air there's a guy dr drew and he's an american guy he did a radio station for many years in the in the u.s and he talks about addiction being uh, everyone kind of thinks oh i'll just stop drinking tomorrow i'll just stop doing this tomorrow so therefore i'm not an addict it's just because i could switch i could stop smoking tomorrow if i wanted but you don't so he talks about addiction he defines it addiction as you carry on doing it in spite of the consequences so uh, and if you can't if you can't then switch it off and therefore there's consequences of you doing that bad typically it's a bad thing obviously uh, then then you're an addict and that, that that makes the barrier so or the the benchmark so low really for what an addict is yeah I think you know at this at this point in my life so this is before kind of America and stuff like that. I think at this at this point, I was just a real kind of heavy recreational kind of wasn't completely dependent, wasn't on it daily. Um, no, but he'd define that as that you're an addict. Yeah, yeah, because of I, your actions. And I, yeah, the the biggest you don't thing, worry about the, the consequences. The biggest thing for me, which I agree, going back to that point, would be how the the kind of how much I'd live in my bubble, and 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 I I used to. The only person I'd really harm is myself in terms of I wasn't malicious or aggressive or, or whatever. I would I would de- I would kind of internally kind yeah, of, yeah, of you course. know punish yeah. myself. But with that, there was so much you know um, stress and concern from family. I, I, you know, it's funny now. I've been single a year, and you look back at some of the relationships you've you've, you've kind of just you know messed up some yeah. of the jobs, some of the kind of. Um, yeah, friends in general. I, I mean, I've been fortunate. I've, I've, I've managed to keep some good friends over the years. Yeah. Um, did they talk to you much at that, or did you talk to them much during that period of um, having these problems? Or again, were you trying to mask it from them? They always knew. I was quite envious of my friends, and the the, the thing with um, cocaine, and it was never fun for me uh, for reasons I kind of now know. But I, I was quite envious of my friends because I could see why they did it. You know, they were confident, yeah. they were chatty, they were right. life and soul of the party. I was the complete opposite. I was very insular. You know, if anything, it calmed me down. Um, and that's why people could never tell when I was on it. Right. And and that that was a double-edged sword, that, eventually, because in the end, when I, I started taking it a lot more, I, it, it was, um, I could get away with it. I could function, but, you know, I, no one could really tell. Um, was that you doing it publicly? Like, as in... In front of people, or were you going out the door? So bef- and coming back, you know, when you're saying that, yeah, yeah, to hide it. And it's hide hide my personality, hide my character. So basically, people, you hide the, would you hide the drug taking, or you just do it with yeah. your mates? Yeah, I. You get some people that I was very, um, yeah, kind of uh, discreet about it. And, yeah, yeah. You know, I, again, I was so bothered about what people would think of me. So <laughs> I. Um, even on nights out, you know, you, you get some people that kind of like the reputation. Of, yeah, but of course, I was yeah. very, to be honest, I didn't really go out much, um, that much. I mean, um, but still at this point, it was more just the, the, the be- I call them benders, you know, the, the sessions were getting, you know, kind of three days, four yeah, days. Yeah, and, yeah. and then this was, you know, not sustainable but still at this point I, w- I wasn't you know dependent on it um and then can I but I, to- I, I still went through phases of of trying to i'd have like a few little months of where i'd focus on say like a marathon or something like that and then i'd have a few months of if i'd meet a nice partner and they you know they i like them enough for me to kind of kind of step 
away a little yeah, bit from the circles. You're trying to change your addiction in a sense of... Yeah, or click, just that. trying to have a bit of... Looking at other people to change me, basically, yeah. or help tame me, um, <laughs> which I, I learned. It took me years to figure out that it had to come from me, yeah. and, and which we can talk into. But, um, yeah, so this kind of went on most of my, my 20s, really. Um, you mentioned that a couple of times <clears throat> you weren't dependent. Just interested why you keep saying you weren't dependent. But what I, what I mean was it was more... At that time, it came more after alcohol. So it was more the alcohol first right. than the cocaine. So it, it was more like, at that time, it was more just on nights out, yeah, that right. kind of thing. Um, before then, though, I, you know, but when I was younger, you know, I kind of dabbled with but amphetamine and stuff. Are you using that word to try and distance it from the word addict? Well, I... I, I, I mean, do you believe you're an addict back then or now? Well, do you believe you were an addict then? I think I'll yeah yeah. Some people don't in recovery. Some people don't like using the word. I think oh, I've got right. a very addictive personality. Right. I think for me, it's more the impulsivity, right. um, and I think I, I I was always yeah decision making, mental yeah, yeah. composure. I was very uh, just erratic mentally, and I just make bad uh, choices. Yeah, well, um, you- but there was something in it for me. Like I, I it sounds strange, but you know, I got myself in a, a lot of debt. I was I was kind of spending a lot of money but um i was kind of i kind of thought i had a, a hold on it really you, you know if i'm be, i was in denial like yeah, you know yeah. a lot of people were and, and then it, i remember thinking to myself like i can't go on like this i'm gonna end up getting sacked from my, the job i was in so i decided to make a comeback cycling and um in my head it was i go and sort myself out basically i told everyone else something different but in my my own head it was like right you need to get off this island, you know, island, and go and go and have some, you know, yeah, yeah. kind of. I don't know what I'd call it, but you know, change the environment, kind of thing. And but again, it, if you take that mind anywhere, you can t- it doesn't matter where you are. That mind's going to follow you. Yeah, and, yeah, and and yeah. if anything, it, it, it in some ways kind of made me even more unhappy because I I wasn't drinking, I wasn't kind of taking drugs, but I I was actually more. So, so I've got rid of that part, but I'm actually still really unhappy because the cycling's not doing it for yeah, me. Yeah, the cycling's yeah. not making me happy it, because the pressure came in again because I left a good job to go and pursue this. It, people thought, you know, living in California, living the dream, but I, I was, yeah, yeah if, if so, anything, there, were, there weren't fun times at all. So, so yeah, jump into that. What age you went? You had this opportunity to go out to California to train and race. What age still, were you then? I think I was about 28 then, right, late okay. 20s, yeah. Um, and how did that come about? That, I started riding again, kind of just locally, and then we went on a training camp, me, uh, Andrew Roach and Cal Crutchlow, just one winter, and then I kind of started going all right again on the bike, and I thought, oh, you know, because I, I took, yeah, I was doing a, a, bit, a bit of running, but I'd had like many years, mm. you know, off the bike, Um and I think like anything, you kind of pick it up quite quickly, but then you hit yeah, it. Plow. Plow. But yeah. for me, I mean, I've always reverted back to sport when I'm, when I'm, you know, as a bit of a safety net. I've always been at my worst periods in life when I've, I've not been, when I've had no focus, like we all are, you know, you've got no, um, but if I kind of, 
me being me, I've always felt like I've needed these extreme goals to kind of, I don't know, keep me on the right track, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which now I'm starting to kind of move away from. But um, I think, um, yes, I think for me, I just wanted to get off the Isle of Man. Um, so I went for, yeah, San Diego. It's two years in San Diego. Right, okay. Was that racing and training? Yeah, racing, training. Spent a lot of time. You know, you can only ride your bike so much. Um, and it was on a bit of a wing and a prayer. And, uh, Who were you yeah. staying with out there? Or were you so just... I stayed um, with a guy that Cal knew. Um, she was a bit of a legend in San Diego. It used to have quite a lot to do with the Jelly Beans or Jelly Baby. Yeah, Jelly Beans team. Um, Zuma, his name is. So I stayed with him. Funnily enough, Cav stayed with him a few years later um, <coughs> through Cal. Um, but yeah, um, I was there two years. But right. I was trying to make it onto a team and um, it, it was just quite, again, that pressure started creeping in. And right. I, you look back and it's kind of like, you know, I enjoyed riding my bike, but the actual race in itself, I don't know how much I enjoyed. Right. And you got on that team, I assume, in the end? No, I didn't all get right. on a team in the end. Oh, right. I, okay. I, I, was, I, I was going all right in America. I was starting to do all right. And then I actually decided... Um, which was probably the mistake. No, I wouldn't call it a mistake because I was just running away from yeah, yeah, me, yeah. Yeah, basically. Yeah. And I, I, how long could I keep it going for? You know, I of course, you I, didn't know any of this at the time. No, really. I didn't know. Yeah. I, 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 I was just trying to like delay. I think I had it in my head that if I stay out of the UK, I'll be all right. But um, I'd, I'd say you'd stopped no drinking, well, drinking. Yeah, less that was so great nothing. for me. That I yeah, thought like I had, like cured myself. Yeah, I right. thought like, oh, hey, look at me. Um, <laughs> But I think um, for me, it was, um, I got in touch with Malcolm Elliott, who had a team called Node 4. Okay. Um, so I decided to come back because um, obviously I wasn't on a salary in America. So, you know, it was kind of through sponsorship and stuff like that. Um, so I decided to come back to the UK to ride for Node 4. And what, what year was that that you came back? That was in 2000 and I think. 2014. Okay, start yeah, this. So, so start of, the season. Yeah, TT week. I'll come back from America. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah. It was uh, to start the season with Node Four 2014. Yeah. I know you weren't with them too long. Did you initially start racing with? Do some races with? Yeah, them? a couple. Yeah, back in the UK and my momentum. I, I, they were going to provide me with accommodation in the UK, but I moved back to the Isle of Man and I lost some of my moment, uh, momentum a little bit. Right. Um, and then. How did that end? We, we kind of carried on, did a couple of races with them. It wasn't going that great, to be honest. And then... Uh, How did that ride come about out of interest? Through Malcolm Elliott, yeah. Right, I got okay. in touch oh, sorry, with him. And, said, yeah, um, Cav was also going to try and help me get on a team in the UK. Um, but in the end, I kind of... I just... Um, I maybe should have took that off, to be honest. That was with Roger Hammond um, okay. Genesis. But right. I think... Um, I think I come back and then we were supposed to be racing in Belgium one TT, uh, like practice week, TT week period. And um, kind of, yeah, the race um, got cancelled or the team decided not to go. And probably the worst thing I could have done was come back to the Isle of Man for like a practice week. Right. TT week. Um, everyone out on the drink. Everyone out on the drink, catching up with characters. You know, I've been in California for a couple of years. Um general morale you know it's funny you sit in the barbers long enough you'll get a haircut and uh was was there I part can, of your mind there that thought 
maybe I shouldn't go back. Yeah, I knew I shouldn't have went back. <laughs> right. I I knew, but something curiosity. The little, little Christian on your shoulder. Yeah, I just knew that sometimes. Yeah, maybe you know sometimes you and it's really you know you've got the kind of the intelligent adult part of you and then you've got the child and it's kind of something's there like oh you haven't you, you haven't fucked up in a while right. something's not right here go and have a big fuck up right. and so I, I, I kind of go come back to the island the bike went one way and I went another for two weeks and that was that was like a pretty much a two week full on bender mm-hmm. and then then I was making excuses pretending I was ill and you know I can't remember as well I'm not I'm not a child anymore this is like you know yeah, mid to late, twi- late twenties. Coming up to yeah, yeah, thirty or whatever. So I, I, I just was it the cycling that wasn't making me happy. Was it my mind that I'd never ever worked on? You know, was it what? You know, I don't know what it was. Or something always attracted me to to stimulants, and I couldn't figure it out. I, it, and it was not for fun. It wasn't for like you know normal people that do it socially and you know it, it wasn't like that for me it was just this destructive kind of attitude um and my you know the people i was with would tell you you know i ended up with a lot of you know kind of yeah it, it was i think my my motive for doing it was completely different to everyone else's um but yeah pulled ended up kind of withdrawing from the team kind of went a bit distant from them and then pulled out and then I think from officially pulling out of the team I think within a month or two I was on the dole right. yeah getting involved with things I shouldn't have been right. so that it was like wow you know coming from California back to yeah you know signing on for the dole and just thinking and the, the benders were just getting heavier and heavier and I was I was causing more worry and stress to people close to me and, um, and was the people around you at that stage let's call them the better half of the good people going be careful what you're doing here keep an eye on it were people I, trying to give you a steer yeah i've always had that and in all fairness even even the the other types of people were, were actually trying to calm me down oh, a bit right, at okay. this point like as if you know you're going a bit too all right too heavy here and uh that, that and that's when you know, a bit, bit later that year, that was actually one, one of my turning points where, you know, I've, I've got if them types of people are actually yeah, saying yeah. to me, okay, now look at the state here, you need to calm down. Um, but it was just, it it wasn't just the the cocaine at this point. It was I was on a heavy dose of diazepam, antidepressants, and I was just constantly like up and down. And like, of course, I was going to be up and down. I, yeah, you know, yeah. I, as co- of course, I was going to be depressed. You know that I wasn't, you know, sleeping. You know, it was, it was just um, vicious circle, isn't it? Yeah, and and then after what me at my worst was when I I didn't really. I wasn't aware of it at the time, but I stopped ex- Like normally, I've always done bits of exercise, even if it's like a bit of jogging, a bit of running, a bit of whatever. Um, I even done like you know marathons and and stuff like that. But in general, I, um, for whatever reason, it it kind of just stopped. So there was no endorphins at all, and 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 that's um, uh, that I was was I, yeah, I think I'd like messed up with part, you know other partners and. I kind of 
um, yeah, just got more and more destructive. Yeah, and right. So, and then I, I, I kind of stopped attending meetings and realised it was a problem. And so, the, so, the, a, so those meetings then is that again you looking at and going? I need a little bit. You making that conscious effort to go? I need a little bit of help here. Yeah, I, 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 I just I, like I said, I, I was in so much, you know, mixed in the wrong circles, not just on the Isle of Man, but across. And I think. I was like a cat with a hundred lives. I, I, I'm amazed, you know, something how I've got out of some situations I've been in. To be honest, I, I, and you know, it's really interesting. You know, like I'll be stuck in traffic at the in the Manx rush hour, and I'll, I'll, I'll get myself a little bit worked up, and I'll be like, bloody, you know, fuck, having a bad day already. Someone pulling on the handbrake without pressing the button. So, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Someone, someone like that, and then it's it's like you kind of. I think I think back to when I was at my worst, and I think, well, let, let's put it into context. You know, a, a, a bad day now is, is yeah, yeah, nothing. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. but it's so easy. Like you, you, your mind sometimes, it's almost like I, I forget. Like sometimes I can't even believe that was me. Right. Like it, to some degree. I mean, you know, later on in life. Um, well, we'll touch on that in a bit. But anyway, yeah, I, I had to tend quite a lot of meetings sometimes I was in you know under the influence going in sometimes I wasn't so were they a a a what kind of like yeah motivate stuff like that right um the big turning point for me I had a I went out to my mum's uh and stepdad's and um it was it, I think I had a bit of a kind of it was the first time they were unaware of how severe it was and kind of had a bit of a, a breakdown with them and I think I you know, my mum found class A drugs in my, in my bedroom when I was about 17 or something like that. And I think I tried to pretend it was like something for lactic acid, like a oh, right. bicarbonate, so, <laughs> so whatever it was. Um, Worst cover story But, but uh, she, so I've just basically, not just my mum, but family in general, like, you know, she, I, 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 I couldn't believe how much I was hurting her. I mean, at this point, I wasn't a parent. I mean, I'd, I'd, I was obviously... Um, causing a lot of hurt to my mm. partner at the time, but um, I just knew something. Even though I was so so kind of blinked in my like bubble, I, I just I just had this kind of gut feeling that something's going to happen soon, and right. it's going to be it's going to be bad. I just knew it. Um, whether it's... that was ending up in jail, whether it was ending up dead whatever it, I just knew this something's going to happen here the way I am because I, I had no I, I just had no purpose in life I, right. you know there was nothing for me and I, each, each kind of yeah obviously it started off the bended but then unfortunately I was on it every day um, mm. at this point and um, get myself into a lot of dirt into sticky situations and then luckily fortunately I um, got referred to drug and alcohol um, after motivate and um, kind of got the opportunity to go away to Sunny Blackpool. So just before we get onto that, I, I I just find it really interesting that that you're self-aware enough to go. I need help here because mm-hmm. I just think, and we I think probably everyone everyone's got always some kind of things they're dealing with, and so many people don't or aren't aware enough that guilty as anyone, I'm sure that to go oh I need some help here you just kind of blame it on other things going on around that just intrigued how where that drive or trigger comes from to go 
I, I'm in a really shitty place here. I need to I need to go and help myself. Because normally when you're in that spiral as well, especially a spiral that I clearly can't relate to because I'm not being in that kind of depth where, where you're is and where you're abusing and your mind's getting pretty effed up ultimately from the abuse generally of everything, let alone all the other things we've talked about earlier that are feeding that those kind of whatever they are insecurities etc etc that you just have that awareness to go shit i need some help it for me like i said i i knew i was on my on your limit some of the thoughts i was having you know mentally and stuff you know these kind of but often the, it's the, the, often the, it's a loved one going. You need help. You need help. You yeah, need help. Yeah, no, there, there was there's always. I think they recognised that. But I, I mean, I I was fortunate. My mum's partner at the time, um, well, husband now, um, he was very supportive, and uh, and he he gave me um, you know some contacts and stuff like that. But I, for, for me, I just I I think you know I. I, I I wasn't scared of dying. I was scared of living, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I was like, just life wasn't. There was nothing like it. Nothing, nothing meant enough to me to to stop for a long time. Nothing. Um, but I think it's funny. You can come up with all these things of like, oh, what made you stop? But the the the, the biggest thing is, and what they'll tell everyone. I mean, unless you make that change, people, mm-hmm. you can't you can't do it. Yeah, I, I often think, you know, I'm so probably my the best thing that's ever happened to me. Um, I'm so blessed that Hallie, my daughter, came into my life after all of this. And I'm still curious to this day, you know, would, if Hallie had came into my life earlier, Mm. would it have changed anything? And I don't don't think it's that simple because otherwise there would be no kind of, you know, there'd be no support for, you know, you just go around getting people pregnant, wouldn't you? But um, (laughs) I think... so I was in that position where just nothing. I had no purpose at all, right. and, and 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 life, yeah, just didn't mean mm. that much to me. And how did you find that, especially the first meeting? Then, because if everything hasn't really worked and been able to get into, a, I guess, a different mindset of okay, let's give this a try. Did you come out thinking, okay, there is some help? Uh, there, yeah, there is an alternative. <laughs> Or was it a case of, yeah, I'm just gonna go. I'm just gonna sink back into old ways. Was there ever that small Christian as we were using before that kind of said, no, nah, we we don't need to kind of go down that. I, I think the first, like, so I quite enjoy, I enjoyed the talking to a neutral source. Um, Do you find it hard to start with? Yeah, I, f- I found as well like the the thing with substance misuse, sometimes. The best people to talk to are the ones that have been through it themselves, and I, I, I and that to some degree it's the same with anything in life. Um, it's all right going and getting a degree or doing these courses and certain things, but um, you've got to remember. I think the hardest bit with growing up on the Isle of Man is, regardless what you've got going on in your life, even sat in a GP's waiting room is bad enough because you probably bump into someone you know. Mm. Then you start thinking that they know why you're sat there, mm. and they start thinking the same and. So the, the the initial few meetings were quite uh, challenging, and I, I and I, and there was a little bit of like, am I am I just rocking up here for you know? So my mum thinks I'm trying yeah, to make yeah, a change. Yeah, yeah, there, yeah. there was obviously that going on, um, but then I I just knew that I, I, something 
something had to change and it, it wasn't as easy as just going off the island because I tried tried that before yeah, yeah. you know with California do you physically literally drive yourself to those meetings I'm interested or did someone drive you there oh no I went yeah yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah, yeah it's completely sort of self yeah. self driven to yeah that was all right and I I um That's such I, a I, I turned up in some states as well right. you know <laughs> still, where still I went though, but yeah, still yeah. Went, yeah but um that, to me that's a mass a, a massive step to to be aware enough that you've got a problem and then to like I say there's not someone kind of pushing along kicking along or holding your hand because they love you or whatever trying to get you there it's a I need to go I need to make this I need to get in the car and almost go when, when you're in a I could be wrong but when you're in a bad state to still go seems to be that there's an underlying current to, to know I, I need some help here yeah but it's more like like I said to you before it, it wasn't it was never it was never a social thing for me yeah, you know, yeah, it yeah. was never a, a fun thing. There was no enjoyment, and I couldn't. It had the opposite effect on me, um, and I, 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 I got so frustrated with it. Rather than having the logic thinking of, right, this does not agree with you. <laughs> take a step back. Yeah. I got so frustrated with it. It was like, um, and I don't know if it, there was a little bit of like, you know, the, I don't know the the endurance side of sport, but I, I used to just like just stay up for like days and days and I, and I just yeah I just got myself into just yeah, yeah. worse and worse situations and and, and the, the, the consequences were you know just like, I didn't really I didn't really yeah think of consequences at all to be honest nothing the, the kind of families at work at the time didn't really mean anything to me um, you know it was just it did, what, what was scary was how the, the lengths I'd go to to get my next kind of fix that that, that scared me, and and it doesn't matter what country or what part of the world I'm in. That that that, that was that drive, and I, I can't can't really put my finger in that. I don't know if that's an obsessive thing, like because must be an addict's drive, I assume. Well, there's that, yeah. But Kona, which we'll move on to, <laughs> I was quite stubborn about that. I had it in my head it was going to happen, and it. And I think that there's something in me that's quite, you know, a bit like um, in general I've got a really poor attention, but there's just certain things I like hyper focus on, yeah, yeah, and yeah. I can really put a lot of energy into. And I think, um, yeah, dark place. So that was um, the end of 2014. Right. So so sunny. You went to Sunny Blackpool. In essence, yeah. re- well, not in essence. It's rehab. Yeah, and it's far from like a health spa suite. It was. Uh, <laughs> Eight months in a yeah Blackpool in a twenty four seven kind of institute. So on kind of day one, week one, do they kind of is the plan? And never even really looked into it. Well, like yourself being there, they strip you back to take everything away, strip you back to your to your basics, and then build yeah, you from there. Or do they spend time trying to understand how your mind ticks to then be able to help to address the issues? Or they typically they don't really care the underlying issues. They've they've just got to you know an addict's an addict and everyone's treated the same in that regard I don't know yeah it's funny because I, I kind of rocked up and even though I was in a, a bad way kind of rocking up there I kind of um, I think it was the lightest I'd ever been um, and I I think you know these people I met who I became close to you know they said you know on day one when I turned up they kind of looked at me as if you know what's what's up with him kind of thing he looks all, all right kind of thing um, but it turned out that I was probably more because I have had a you know fantastic 
life in some degree in terms of opportunities, support, uh, love and all that. I, I think some of the people I was in with had, you know, the opposite you know, and and that made me feel even worse. I was like, "Wow, you know what I mean? How how's 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 this came to it?" And you know, that's not me being judgmental. It's just like I I, I couldn't, I, I just never could understand. You know, the the drive, the 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 kind of madness and all. Mm. And then um, I think now I'm I'm aware that more and more people are struggling. So the thing with the rehab, it doesn't matter if you're a gambler, if you're a sex addict, it, 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 it doesn't like overeat or what, it, it's all it's all, all kind of the same uh, compulsive, you know, uh, sh- shopper or whatever it might be. Um, but that, you've hit the nail on the head, it's like peeling the layers off and right. so you go straight back, right back to birth. And it's, the, to be honest, I, it, I'm, it was one of the best experiences of my life, right. even though it was the most challenging. I mean, it was, um, I'd recommend it. Obviously, people aren't in the position to do it, but I think it's whether you're an addict or not. You, you, it would be good for anyone to actually go and you know work on yourself for eight months and actually go back to childhood, and then you can reflect and be like, oh well, that that was there, and that, you know, and you you do learn a lot more about yourself. Um, but it was very intense. You know, it was like the so like you've the, seen big the therapist every day as part of that. Is that yeah, part of that? but it was like we took on roles as well and. We we'd facilitate groups and you get given roles and it was um, obviously the, the diversity in characters there were you know it was uh, come going back to that person that's quite introverted who didn't like spending time on the academy living with two people right, no. then you're in a house with like twenty people mm. it was like so yeah it was um, it if was you, full on if yeah. you wanted to could you leave yeah. I, I I rocked up there, and the last person to go from the island it lasted a, I think two hours. Right. Yeah. Right. I, which I was told. Right. And um, yeah, I got there, and um, yeah, I it was completely the doors left open kind of thing. Right. Yeah. And it's 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 funny like you hear about these people you know that might go away for like three week to like one of these like you know kind of you know retreat kind of stroke rehab things, but. You know, to me, like you know, it, it does take it. You can't just have a few weeks off the yeah, drink yeah, and say, yeah. "Oh, that's that's me now." You yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. I think um, there was a. You were there for eight months. Was that? Did you know that on day one that you'd be there that long? Was that yeah, always the plan? And you, it's normally the six months. But right. luckily, the Isle of Man get. Um, luckily, I had the opportunity to go a bit longer. I mean, it, I suppose looking back, it went very quickly. You, you just um, said there. Luckily, did you think you needed? more time no it's not a case of that normally the slots so I was fortunately that I got um, it, it funded so people from the most people from the UK just did six um, so it was it, what was probably the most interesting part of it for me was um, they didn't allow me to exercise for the first few months right because they wanted to completely like strip me naked as such so yeah. take away you know substance take away the exercise and then what you're left with kind of thing yeah, yeah. um and so with those first few days you got no phone i assume no real communication outside yeah the my, my housemate uh, housemate my, my roommate on day one was injecting heroin at the age of 12 <laughs> and that that was my first day in there yeah. and i was like <laughs> i can understand when you mention about what you know almost why am i here what why should you know 
this guy's clearly, you know, if you compare yeah, him to yeah. your roommate. Yeah, yeah. But I don't, yeah, I can't, I can understand why you think that, but because whether you come from a, yeah. you, whether you call it a privileged background from one extreme to poverty, yeah. still doesn't, you know. I, 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 and since I've got older as well, I think addiction, it's such a wide range hmm. of, you know, the CEOs of big companies yeah, in trouble yeah. with addiction. I mean, so it's, that's completely like um, irrelevant, but it, it was just really, you know, to be honest, it was the first time in my life everything I did was like physical stuff. So I did everything on autopilot, like so, like training, sport, racing. It's the first time I actually started using, if I'm being honest, started using my brain. Right. I started reading, I started studying. So I did a lot of stuff away from the group stuff. Right. And it was a, it was a funny experience, but I, I think the best way to describe it is like you kind of you get to the end of it and you you kind of if you think of a an addict again it's like the opposite to a buddhist you know you're never content you're always striving for something else you want an external change so that i had to get used to like figuring out who am i away from sight and who am i you know sober or whatever and um that was challenging and then the big thing for me was you know will i ever come back to the isle of man or will i you know, the f- I can't just keep running away from I'd imagine it. that was a massive decision. And that was a big thing. And I, I started exercising again, but it was very low-key. And I, I actually convinced myself um, that I wouldn't ever compete again. Right. Because I thought, well, it's never brought that much happiness. It's not worked for me before. Um, I thought maybe some people just don't suit competitive sport. Um, you know, so, I yeah, that takes us up to... So that coming back to the Ironman, where... Where, where in those eight months was? Did he decide I'm going to go back? Because I, th- I didn't initially. Right, I stayed in, in oh, England right. for okay. a few months. Yeah, uh, my sister lives in England and stuff. Um, I actually started volunteering for the Amy Winehouse Foundation. Okay, so going into school assemblies and and talking about basically just a life story, which is similar to what I'm doing now. And I, I think the reason I got into that was if someone had came into Balakamin when I was fourteen to talk about substance misuse. I would have been sat there, well, I don't need to listen to this because I'm going to be a pro cyclist. And when I think back to when I was 14, the the only education that we got on substance misuse was you'll either end up dead or in jail. And a copper would come in for an assembly and say, hmm. which that's not really, you know, it, the, the, the thing in life, we, we, we wait don't we to for everyone to hit a rock bottom before we offer support mm. which is to me just backwards you know it, it should be prevention is better than the cure that there should be like support now in schools which i know there's more now with mental health but there should be especially for substance misuse because unfortunately like mental health it's only going to get bigger um and i think that's just the world we live in um but that it's like you know you wait to have a health scare and then you start becoming more active why are we sat around waiting you know that that's it's gone a bit to reactive we're yeah. mostly reactive to stuff rather than yeah proactive um, reactive so yeah that proactive. was my my rock bottom so to speak um so then your sisters and, and again I go back to the kind of question of coming back to the old man where that you realize that you talked earlier about i suppose running away thinking the problems of the old man where they were you know, put it politely, they were Christians' problems. Yeah, yeah. And you've worked through a lot of them, the decision to come back here then. Yeah, come Was that back, a hard one in the it end? It was hard, yeah, and there was a lot of... Did you feel you maybe worried. had to do it to almost maybe face some of the demons yeah, of going? Yeah, because otherwise I would have just stayed. I couldn't stay away. And the, the, the thing is as well, when you 
when you leave the island in that frame of mind, it's easy to just look at the negatives. But mm. there's so much like there was so much genuine care, which yeah, yeah. I, I I wasn't aware of. And the thing that kind of went through my head when I returned was like, you know, people gonna kind of approach me thinking like, you know, I've got the shakes or something, or like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I, I kind of, but yeah, but it, it's one of them things. And I, you know, since coming back, I've done other courses and you, you can do all the kind of self growth work in the world, but it's, it's trying to find a way to taking little bits from things and, and, and making it work for you mm. in terms of like, you know, we're all unique. It's not as easy as like you read this, you know, life changing book and it's gonna, you know, you've got to kind of like play around with stuff. And I've, I was gonna say that's interesting. Could you go back to the question earlier? And I was thinking about this before you came down. We talked earlier about nature versus nurture and that impact in the younger life, how the environment and the, you know, the people that, you know, leave an impression on you in that age. So then when you compare the scenario, and you, like you say, you got a brother who's not seemingly gone through similar addiction type of issues. You've come up ultimately in the same environment. You're a couple of years apart. But then, I mean, I've got a couple of mates that are twins. They come up in separate parts, but they're very different people uh, because maybe one's more sensitive and therefore something that happens in the environment to both of them will affect him differently than the person next to him. So again, that nature, if it is nature and nurture, it's still, there's just no set patterns and you talk there about everyone's individual. It's just that this event, whatever that might be, that trauma will affect people differently at that young age some will just brush it off and not care where others if they're sensitive you just talk about yourself being sensitive they'll they'll that'll impact them so much differently yeah i so think then, it's, de- it's definitely not one glove fits all i know when my think when my dad one glove down, only fits one that's the impression yeah. i get and going back to what yeah. you were just saying before i caught in which is everyone's individual so all these different self-improvements as well is you've got to find what bits work for you yeah definitely and and that and you've got to keep working on that as well and I think um, the day you stop is where, you know, complacency kicks in. And I think, um, you, you know, life's hard, you know, just in general, you know, since I've kind of expressed my vulnerabilities, it's amazing how many people that, you know, you kind of see that they are struggling with something. People that you would never have dreamed that they had any struggles. I yeah, mean, yeah. people are talking about it more now, but I just think, you know, it was easy. You know, we kind of, at the time that people are going through it, you kind of think you're the only only one, you know, especially at the people close to you. But, you know, I, as I've got older, I think, you know, there's not many that just float through life, you know. No. I think... Um, I don't think it exists. It's it a reality. I don't think no. it exists. And I think there's a little bit of like, you know, are some of the normal emotions we're supposed to experience, you know. But, um, yeah, I think the main thing is just having a purpose. And I come back... Um, to the island and then my partner at the time fell pregnant um, right. I was doing a bit of running so I was you know running and stuff like that but um, yeah that was the big big shift for me yeah right um, so luckily I was very fortunate I got a job um, that I, I enjoy and, and that was mainly based around if if I could feel so terrible not exercising imagine people that don't exercise how good they feel when they start kind right, of thing. Yeah. So I was quite passionate about trying to get people active and uh, really enjoyed that job. And, you know, I, I, I don't socialize really at all now, but um, I, the team I work with, are, you know, like-minded people, yeah, right. some people I'm close to at work. So quite enjoy that. 
Um, but but you know, I wish I could sit here today and say, you know, I've got a hold on everything and I'm doing this, this, and this, and life's easy and you know because you know that it's it's very easy to you know there's this analogy they use that like it's like when you're driving your car you kind of you you look in the rear view mirror but every now and again you just glance in the side mirrors just to just to remind you of your past because it's sometimes it's easy to and i've done it before you know you sometimes it's almost like you, you forget and that's not being like a I just, you know, sometimes it's like looking at a different person. You know, some of the, you know, yeah, the, yeah. the phases I've had. It's 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 like I've just basically the best way to describe it is like I've just acted all my life. Right, all right, oh, right. Okay. And it, you know, the opposite to being authentic. You know, and trying to please people. And I just, yeah, I think it's only recently I've started doing work internally and and kind of, you know, there's there's. Um, I will dig into that in a, in a in a little bit. What I'd like to quickly jump sort of into the, just into the sports arena. You talk coming back about doing coming back to the island and starting running, and uh, you then started looking at uh, well, you're competing at a high level at running for sure on the Isle of Man, winning local races if I remember rightly. Good high standard in your mind. Then were you does th- that obsessive nature of yours? Were you aware of I've been through all this previously and sport probably hasn't always been a great help in it it has in many ways but maybe when it gets to the real pointy end when the stress has come were you thinking about that as you were getting better at running see the running was completely different because there was no expectation yeah yeah and i and not just that i i enjoyed the this the purity of it so the, there's no equipment there's not as much cost even the bike what what frustrated me with cycling was it's so tactical it's like chess on wheels isn't it hmm. it's very easy to get beat by someone in a bike race who might not be actually faster than you yeah. better than you where, where running it's very hard to kind of wing a running race you yeah, know yeah. if someone beats you unless you got those night trainers but yeah, <laughs> unless yeah, you yeah. Got, everyone's got the night trainers but then i think my big thing and it, it's taught me till recently to kind of really understand it i think my main drive was the kind of ego mixed with wanting to prove to people that I'm in a better place in life right. which is all bullshit yeah, yeah. because it's not about what other people think it, it's about what is this making me feel like yeah, yeah. what is my lifestyle doing for me and I, I, there was a little bit of like trying to prove to people that like oh he's doing all right for himself yeah, yeah, and he's, yeah. he's in a better place because i, I kind of just assumed everyone knew and you know knowing everyone over here and I, I was very conscious of that and I, I think maybe i was trying to i don't know what i was getting out of it personally yeah. i think it was more just yeah trying to just prove to people that like I don't know what it was, but the ego is a powerful tool, isn't it? I think that. Yeah, so I'd like to chat a bit because in all our podcasts, we've not really talked to people about, maybe a little bit with one of the guests about ego and what that is. And again, a lot of the stuff I read and see online, they say, they say that that plays such a, I say, important role. Maybe not quite the right word, but a role in people's drivers. That uh, again, I guess I see it at just. Any level of there's competitiveness in people, but there's also yeah. I think I think everyone has some element of ego, and it's perhaps seen by 
people on the outside as different. Some might see it as arrogance. Some might see it as just self-belief. Uh, but I th- certainly a lot of the stuff I read, it plays such a, an important role in potentially a negative way as well at times. Because you can get so kind of absorbed within your ego. And Yeah, I, I, I think it's... It's quite, you know, in terms of performance and stuff like that, in terms of times and in terms of positions, you know, unless you're getting paid and doing things for a career, they're irrelevant. Mm. It's a hobby. You know, you should be just doing it for enjoyment. And, and I kind of get, I get so, I revert back to like me trying to do things as a career and like trying to always, like, you know, see, have these perfect races or, and, I've learned that it the events mean very little to me. I, I enjoy the process of preparing for an event. Yeah. And that's mainly because I think we all like routine. We like to have a focus or we like to have a bit of structure to our lives. And I think I'll always end up doing that. But um, it's the events themselves don't mean that much to me. It's right. more just the kind of, I like the routine of, okay, I'm going to do that this month. And then I'll, I'll kind of... And it just kind of shapes things a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's what led to um, the kind of... The, there was also a big... I had this, like, phobia of... I wouldn't say phobia of depression, but I had this, like, fear of ever ever going back to my old ways. And, 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 and I, I kind of... I always kind of convinced myself that I needed these, like, big goals to keep myself on track, yeah, yeah. which... To be honest, in some ways they probably added more stress, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is the karma in it. But I, I think that's that's just the way I was. There, there was probably a little bit of my dad's a bit of a kind of you know legend in his own lunchtime, and he with the sport. There's a little bit of kind of that keeping that connection going or yeah. living up to his reputation. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. There's a little bit of that going on. Um, and to be honest, there's still a little bit of not fully knowing what else I'm interested yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, um, So that next big goal then is, co- co- well, not Kona, I guess. It, it was triathlon, getting into triathlon and Ironman. Yeah, so, so... Actually, before we just delve into it, we just want to play an audio clip from another podcast. And on that podcast, which is a podcast by Simon Ward, he's talking to a, an Ironman who's based out of Ireland. He's done Kona. So basically, you qualify for the world in your age categories or, or as a professional in various races around the world and the top two or three from age categories get into the world which is held in Kona in Hawaii and that's sort of the pinnacle for triathletes uh, sorry iron iron men and women or iron men athletes to get there and normally obviously it takes years of sort of building because you obviously run and swim and, that, and this podcast he's talking to this athlete about years of building uh, that fitness and base level. But we're just going to play the clip uh, now. Very few, very talented people out there who can go from year one and straight into it. Those guys are very few and, and far between. But for the most of us, um, we have to work at it. And if well, people who know me personally would say, I don't really have enough, a lot of patience, but in sport, there is simply no other way. You need to be patient and nothing will certainly happen in your first season. You'll get fitter, you get stronger and stuff. Hopefully, if you have a proper coach, you'll gain knowledge and become more aware of what's needed to be done, especially if you're looking to qualify for corner. Mm. There's this one guy that I know from the Isle of Man. 
qualified in his first or second Ironman at Ironman UK. Managed to get through the swim, but this guy was this guy was almost a professional cyclist at the highest level. Used to train with Cavendish in Kenya in, in the Isle of Man. He also had run a uh, you know two forty five marathon, I think, standalone marathon. So he could swim, he could bike and run, and he battled his way back into contention on his first second Ironman qualified for Kona. I think he did a 9.30 in Kona. Um, but, but he's one of the very few people. He's an outlier. He's, he does not reflect the, the experiences of most people who... So that outlier he talks about there isn't me. <laughs> <laughs> it's you. Before we go in to talk about uh, Kona, actually, just off air, we chatted uh, quite a bit about re- really the, the driver to do that. And one of our one of our favourite sort of guys we talk about is David Goggins, and I've talked about him a few times on the podcast, and about how he talks about putting yourself in an uncomfortable place uh, to to make yourself grow. And when when we talked off air about Kona, one of the things you expressed was that you felt that the challenge of trying to do an Ironman was putting yourself in an uncomfortable place to help you grow and, and self develop. I suppose you look at it, you know, running you're obviously very good at the time, or you have been certainly have been as well, cycling as well. So that really left swimming, and you talked about certainly for an Ironman, the swimming one you couldn't swim to start with really ultimately. So that that was the challenge to learn learn swimming. Swimming is often an uncomfortable place to be because certainly if you don't like the water, that that adds to that. In an Ironman, it's a mass start, so, and the sea swimming so there's a lot of kicking and a lot of a- aggravation going on. So that 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 putting yourself in that uncomfortable place and trying to I suppose build a certain amount of me- mental composure and. and and develop those skills, I guess, that maybe you felt you you wanted to improve. Uh, also, again, depending on the Ironman you're doing, you touched on some summer with uh, wetsuits, some aren't, and again, that, that's another dynamic to the situation to to again for you to deal with. So, I suppose mentally you're trying to trying to de- develop yourself. Well, that's certainly the impression I got. I got chatting before, and and the desire to to push further. That was sort of my observation from from chat, chatting off air as well. And ultimately, doing that challenge was to ensure that that you know it was a big achievement for you to, to, to try and do it to get there. And again, it was just just target setting, I guess, and finding the the, the right work work life balance. Which is, I suppose I just preview perhaps what you're going to talk about, but it was just a, a flavour of the impression I got from chatting to you before. So <laughs> it's you. So that, that obviously he's talking there about the, the like I touched on just a moment ago. The it's, it's usually years of prep to get there years of work years of racing so you've decided to to train do a triathlon or an night and then get into Ironman so talk a little bit about what made you pick something to get or that to go and do something fresh yeah I watched a video of uh, Kona on YouTube um, at this point I'd you know I'd had the rehab I'd had a couple of years of running I hadn't I hadn't actually rode a bike or even like rode to the shop or owned a bike for four years and I wasn't a very good swimmer, which people... I was a lifeguard at one point, but I mean, <laughs> I, I could flag a few lengths out, but I wasn't a very competent swimmer, uh, which is worrying, isn't it? But um, I think, again, so, sometimes we get kind of fixated on these shiny things to kind of seek this kind of like... Th- these things that we assume are going to make us happy. Yeah. And, and, and I think... Was there a little bit of stubbornness in like, can I do it? Can, can I not do it? Kind of thing. And and 
maybe I, I did convince myself it was going to make me kind of that this was going to be my next thing. I'm aware but, now that. But that, all through that pro, you talked earlier about the, enjoying the process, then you're only reaffirming that thought process because yeah. you are enjoying the process. So, irrespective yeah. of what happens at the end, it's. Yeah, but I, I, I probably. It was probably only after Kona that I kind of became more aware of the, the, that that thing. The, the, the actual events themselves are, are quite irrelevant to me, but the, I, I enjoyed the qual- qualifying for Kona more than Kona, mm-hmm. in, if that makes sense. Um, the the, the, the kind of so I did my first ever triathlon in the April two thousand and eighteen, and I gave myself kind of six seven months to say right we're gonna and the first triathlon i ever did was in marbella and uh it was choppy to swim mm-hmm. i had to stop and tread water for five minutes because right. i couldn't swim in the waves right. and um had to do it in breaststroke <laughs> it was only a half iron on that one and if someone had told me there and then well there was two moments if someone had told me in a, when i was in rehab in three years time that you got a kona doing triathlon a sport you've never done i would have obviously laughed and then, but if someone had told me doing that first triathlon, when I, was, I had to stop, I had a panic attack, uh, attack. I was treading water. I did the whole thing breaststroke. It, it, the, the, it was Halley's first holiday. It was just one big, like, you know, stress. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was in the April time. And me being me, not the most patient of people, I wanted to do an Ironman before kind of racing an Ironman to go get a feel for it. So Lanzarote is supposed to be one of the hardest ones. So I wanted to do that one first. That was in the May. So Marbella was April, Lanzarote was May. And then um, my plan was to hit Bolton, yeah. um, Ironman UK. And that didn't go perfect, to be honest. Um, I lost two of my water bottles straight after the swim. Right. Uh, you know, well, It wasn't a perfect race, but I, I, I got myself through you know kind of stubbornness in the shape that you know i was in good shape at the time but i i nearly messed the run up you know and uh yeah fortunate enough to qualify but that whole year i got carried away with it all you know i was fortunate to get some sponsorship and people helped me steve shimon for example before i even did a triathlon kind of you know he, 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 he that shows kind of the guy he is before i'd even done a triathlon you know he sas events and then there was other people you know andy bass at conister and friend of mine andrew parker uh chris Renner. there was a few i got a bit of help from quite a lot of people yeah. and then coming to kona the, the, the thing with the whole triathlon thing i was i was still in a lot of debt from my past life so <laughs> here's me you know it's funny for well-being and that it's like another example i went to do this nlp course which fantastic course with phil quirk great teacher and um you, you you're going away to try and improve your well-being but you if you're just getting yourself in more and more debt, then ultimately your well-being is never going to improve. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny we we kind of go for these things, and I think sometimes there's an element of like we try all these things to to get to this place of happiness where sometimes you're actually all right where you are. Yeah, you just yeah, don't yeah. appreciate it. Yeah, and yeah. I think and got what I was gonna say. What what made you? I guess aim for Kona then because you've pretty much gone running okay right well what's next let's do triathlon then what's next you know always looking for that top tier whereas was there any thoughts on the back of your mind as well as you've seen where top tier can potentially put a lot of stress and a lot of negativity in, in into your life and then as you know you've been able to deal with that better you've kind of gone right well let's 
I guess, see, let's test it and go back into that environment in that sense. Yeah, it it was. I know if, if a, a good friend of mine was concerned about me getting back on the bike because he kind of mm-hmm. said, you know, it's not it's not worked for you before. Um, and yeah, I I did got kind of throw myself into that. And even though I'd worked on myself, I, I kind of, what I hadn't worked on was the balance of training for an Ironman because I had no coach at the time and I was, naturally, there's got to be an element of overtraining. If you're preparing for a 10-hour event, whatever it is, there has to be an element of kind of training on tied legs, getting used to that pain threshold and stuff like that. But but for me, what the big shift was, was... Um, I signed up for all these events when Hallie was in her first six months. So she she wasn't really that, you know, mm-hmm. it, was, it wasn't really having an impact. But then that changed, obviously, the older she was getting. And it, it, Kona and the Ironman caused a lot of stress on my relationship and stuff. And it, and it was, going back to your point about that pressure again, once people actually started sponsoring me yeah. and I, I got a little bit of help, that was added pressure. Yeah. Um, and you know in general i was trying to cram it all in i didn't have much time the swimming was frustrating because that, that was the one sport i struggled with i wasn't getting much faster the time the hours i was doing and wasn't sleeping great i was kind of neglecting nutrition and i how much fun was it all yeah i think i didn't know at the time but I, um recently found out I've got a thing called ADHD where you kind of in general have a poor attention but there's certain things that you just really quite kind of have this hyper focus with and I kind of got a lot of clarity from that in terms of why I've yeah, made yeah. certain yeah, decisions yeah, yeah. and what funnily enough they, they prescribe stimulants to, uh, All right. <laughs> so that that made a lot of sense over the last 15 years and also the way the obsessiveness, the way that I would, because it for me it's not the I've actually came out triathlon now I've sold my bike and it's not the actual hours you put in physically it's the the exhaustion from like the the headspace it takes up for me it was it, I was always preoccupied with thinking about the next session yeah, thinking yeah, about yeah. the next race and you know thinking about your pace and you know for me I I I think what it it's not important it doesn't what makes just because you're you know the person that comes first doesn't doesn't make him a better or him or her a better person than the person that comes second mm, yeah. you know what what's winning in life isn't about necessarily you know this outcome goal of you know oh you know you've run a marathon in that time or you've done an ironman in that time i think mm. There's things that I'm doing, you know, for me, I couldn't even sit still. I couldn't even watch a film in life, you know mm. what I mean? Now I kind of like meditate, you know, try and do that daily and actually deliver yoga, you know, there's stuff that there's, you, you, for me, that's more like kind of development than yeah, yeah. doing, going half an hour quicker in an Ironman. That's the stuff, you know, I revert to because that stuff has came easier to me over yeah, the years. Right. The sport itself, it's just life stuff that I've struggled with. Mm. Um, and I think becoming a parent has helped massively with that. Um, I got asked to do an exercise on on a, a course uh, once, and you you close your eyes, 
and we can all do it now if you like but we're not because we're going to run out of time but you just close your eyes and you just you, you just ask a dead simple question think of five of your happiest moments in your life and I had two or three straight away instantly of my daughter and you know all we spoke about this um, t- today you know with all the sport and experiences I was forcing them with the sport they just yeah, weren't coming yeah. and I, I think to myself well why is that and I, I kind of I could quite easily now walk away you know for, I, I just you know I, I'm at the minute I sold my bike and that was quite quite a relief to be honest um, in terms of just saying goodbye and uh, I've struggled with giving myself I've been very critical of myself in the past and that, that, that's mainly just because you know there's been a lot of other stuff that's gone with it in yeah, terms yeah, yeah. of your ups and downs and um, in terms of stability now I'm, I'm you know and, and it, the most stable I've ever been and um, you know you just got to keep chipping away and I think you know yeah. in terms of sport you know I, I might run some marathons and stuff like that but it it it, it ultimately wasn't making me that happy um yeah. and that's the god's honest truth yeah. um i would do a lot of work now with sports aid with young athletes and the, the first thing i would say is how great it is that they're getting the education and support and you know that that's great to see but some of the attitudes i i, I meet these you know young athletes 17 18 19 and i just think they're so grounded and humble and like i think they're so focused and it makes me just to be honest it makes me feel quite inferior about the way i used to be and i can't put my finger on that and when whether that was the adhd whether it was the other insecurities but it's kind of yeah i just for whatever reason um Do do you have many let's call them bad days now do you have days where you struggle in general i i mean i i do have to like sometimes laugh at myself about what what a bad day is i mean i I, I, if you go from being a self-obsessed person whether that's as an athlete in addiction or whatever what 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 is challenging is becoming a parent for the first time because you're not thinking yourself anymore so that that's been a massive like life adaptation for me but do you know do you know what it the world we live in you know the best part of my week is is probably sitting in the bath with my daughter mm. and i've thought about this there's something particular about the bath it's because that there's no phones there's no mm. distractions you're actually you think about the present moment you're actually sat opposite her staring right at her mm. and that there's a lot to be said about that you know people do things now with their kids they spend longer bloody taking pictures of telling people what they're doing rather than actually Doing, being in the present yeah, moment yeah, with yeah. a child yeah, yeah. I think it's a, a funny thing so she's she was the the, well, the only reason that made me because even though you know I'd, I'd come out of treatment and I'd done Kona and stuff something you know I was doing a lot of meditations I'd, some, I'd, I just had this gut feeling that something wasn't quite right and it was a worry because you know it's a bit like you convince yourself you've got something wrong with you you go for a blood test the results are all fine but um you know, I did go and pursue the, the ADHD thing because I, I just kind of, something didn't quite add up with me. Yeah. And I could never figure it out. I couldn't put my finger on it. And, and what I didn't want to do was go and see someone when I was living an unstable life because everyone's got traits of everything, haven't they? Yep. When when you live in a destructive kind of um, lifestyle. So I, I purposely kind of 
waited and, and that gave me quite a lot of clarity I actually got quite emotional when I, I kind of figured that side of it out because that's not something that just happens when you you know through adult life that's something as a child and um, I think uh, again you know that that kind of it's gave me a few little answers I don't know how different life would have been if it had happened sooner I don't want to say too much about it because doesn't matter now anyway it's gone yeah yeah and yeah, um, yeah. yeah the, what is the past I mean yeah. people, people we choose to react how we react and I think so would you say now you're in the best place you'd be in for a good while if not potentially since you were a carefree kid yeah, I'm not getting as much female attention though. Man. Man, think, boring uh, Christian. Uh, boring. I've turned into uh, yeah. I think. Um, See, this is the downside of not being on social media, not being on yeah, that thing called Tinder, whatever yeah, that is. I think uh, yeah, my um, definitely the best place I've been because right. I, I've never I've everything has in the past has been physical. Yeah, right. Where you know lately I've done more, um, and and I I just think. More mental stuff, you know. Yeah, and I, I think the bond of I've, I've got with Hallie and and, and and stuff is is it's kind of you know I'm not that important, and I think it's like for someone who has been quite egotistical, it's like it's not about me anymore. Yeah, you know, yeah. I I can't justify going out my bike for five hours on a weekend or doing a five hour podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so I had to, um, you know, I think the the coach, I got sponsored a coach leading up to Kona and I think his genuine kind of feeling was, you know, this guy, you know, five-year plan. But, you know, I, I can't, you know, the, the training sessions he was giving me, you know, like, it was like, I think, I, I, I think I'm think i pretty convinced he, he forgot I was working. No. <laughs> you know, like, I, it was like 25, 30 hour weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that that's without the, the, the five hours of yoga I'm doing and yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the other, you know, it, it was intense. But I think for me... Um, yeah, just I think um, and doing stuff for other people as well, and it's a funny one, isn't it? Like the the whole avoiding stress and then doing things that are uncomfortable. Um, I, th- I think as well, you have to, you know, they say you have to be as selfish in recovery as you were in addiction. So I, mm. I, and I, I, it sounds a bit of a funny one that, but I think I, I know if my well being goes out the window, then that you know everything stops, doesn't yeah, it? So yeah, I, yeah, I do yeah. have to make yeah. the most of little opportunities. So. If, if I think a run is good for my well-being, I'm going to obviously prioritise the run, not over my daughter, but um, I, I, I know what kind of triggers things and I know what kind of... Kind That's of good. That's good to know that. Yeah, I, yeah. I know that. Um, and I have, you know, for me, socialising, you know, I, I, I just... I, I, I used to hate spending time on my own unless I was under the influence. Right. I, I, so, but now I'm at the first... For the first time, really, I, I'm I quite enjoy my own company. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. Which is something I've never said in a yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. normal setting. I think I think selfishness is a to a point is is important. Like you say, it's you as in again the individual. You affect so many people around you. So if you're not in a good space, again, negativity breeds negativity. So if you're negative because you're in a negative space, then you'll project that onto other people. And they'll either walk away and leave, you know, and you'd be left isolated, or they'll take that negativity away, uh, take that negativity off, or increase that negativity because they will be. So then you have to look at yourself and go, what what will get me out of this negative state? And like you say, it might be a run, someone else, it might be 
just a bit of fresh air and a walk. Other people might be whatever it might be, you know, just some downtime or whatever. So I think, yeah, I don't think we attach the word selfish to it. Well, it's probably not a fair word, is it? It's yeah, yeah. I think you have to prioritise. You can't just go around, you know, helping other people, pleasing other people is very important. But making sure you're in a good place is just as important, if not yeah. more important. And and it stems to, and this is something I'm working on. I probably get slightly better each year but just trying not to care yeah. as much you know about what people think yeah, yeah, or what yeah. you th- what your perception of their yeah, thinking yeah, is yeah. you know because it's you know well this goes back to the sport of when we talk they talk about uh the process of you know in sport and a lot of sport is just about the process and learning it that process and forgetting about all the noise around the outside so you're on the final race there's five other competitors don't think about what they're doing because they're they're irrelevant you can only control what you can control so therefore, you can't control what other people are saying about you, and can't control what people might listen to this and perceive and have ideas. Rally is really you look back to your point. Who cares? Yeah, it's not, yeah, yeah. That's their own. If they're if they're if they're busy judging, maybe they should pick a mirror up and before they start judging others. And that's what's made today quite uncomfortable for me, as you know, which we spoke about beforehand. Um, this is the first time I've I've spoke kind of publicly about certain things, and I. I, people are going to react to it in different ways and you know I might raise a few eyebrows but I think yeah it probably says more about them than yeah no me. it's not more completely yeah. about them that's so, the reality of it we'll see how that goes so um, if I get <laughs> if I get blanked in Strand Street <laughs> <laughs> we don't care that's yeah. what that's the key well the key is I don't go to Strand Street I'm alright I avoid I avoid uh, no well thanks for coming in I know and as you say some of the subjects it's hard to talk about I think when I when I you know and my kind of again at the end of these episodes are kind of more feeling like I need to talk about what I take out of it we've talked a bit a bit off air before about a lot of people that and fame I use the word famous loosely but people are more well known and characters we talk about who've come from adversity and that doesn't mean poverty that just means they've had problems in their past whatever they may be whether they're inner demons or external demons and they've they've rose above it, and they're they're kind of cheered and uh, uh, you know praised for that. And people look at them and use them as an, a kind of an inspiration. So I people we've talked about Goggins. I've talked about him a hundred times on this podcast. There's a guy Inky Johnson. If you look him up, Tim Robbins talks about motivation and and a lot of that stuff. And the reason I want to talk was because you've gone through hardships. That's that's a fact. You're very aware of it, and you continue to self develop and improve it. And for me that's an inspirational story that's just you know i've said that to your off air as much as i I say it right now and i hope people listening take that as well this isn't about this that's what this is about to me about understanding that however hard things can get and i'm sure you went through some very hard time where you talked about some of those very hard times that you can see here one and talk about because there's nothing to hide there's nothing to be ashamed of It's it's just a journey and the best thing of is that you're you're using those as motivation now to improve yourself and that's i think in, in, the most important thing you're not sat, sat in a corner self-pity going why me you're going this was a problem i've i've got over it and now i'm a better person for it and my child will be a better person for it so that impacts mm. massive and i hope people take that out of the story because i think that's so important that 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 self-development and I'm sure you. I'm sure you inspire people. I'm sure of it. I'm absolutely sure of it. Yeah, I hope so. And I think yeah, I completely agree with um, what you've just said in terms of yeah, just talk. You know, and I think you know that change ultimately has to come from 
from you and yeah. and uh, and that could be any you know positive life lifestyle change you know just you know carry on doing the same stuff every day you, you can have the same yeah same, same outcome, results you know yeah, and yeah, yeah. I, I think it's we all know it you know and if it means setting your alarm 10 minutes earlier each day to you know create Meditate. a new routine yeah, yeah yeah you know will it make you any more tired no it won't no because you'll probably feel better in terms of the morale you'll have carrying on the rest of that day knowing that you've done something that you yeah. needed to do yeah so yeah i think um thanks for having me on and i think yeah. um the episodes i've listened to keep doing what you're doing and pleasure hopefully uh, if one person takes something good from it then that's what it's about mm, pleasure no thanks for it cheers thank you thank you so matt you want to tidy up yep uh, so wherever you're listening to this today please like subscribe share and leave those five star reviews for us pretty please um whether you're looking to find us on facebook with the m word podcast twitter mag sports pod and on instagram the m word iom please give us a follow and as well as we always like to say if you have any recommendations or if you're listening now and think you'd want to come in for a chat with us please get in touch as well yeah, do do get in touch with. Like I say, we're looking to chat to sports people who've been in sport or in, in and around sport as well. And just you know, a lot of guests we talk to, they actually don't think they have a story until we start chatting. Mm-hmm. And, and the reality is, everyone in the world has a story. So uh, yeah, so do get in touch. So thanks again for letting us get into your ears. It's word out from Martin and word out from Matt. Puts me in the past. Too tough to be without her But too afraid to ask